Dr. Nike who said, just do it. I'm loving it. Just do it. I'm loving it. I'm really feeling it. We got it. the meats. I'm cold. Yeah, it's really cold. How is your how is your heating situation? I know you I know you you're well, a, great. a new it's homeowner. It's expensive, but it's great. And that you experienced a heating bill. It's cold. It's 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 uh that, but we got a notification from the gas company that's like, "Hey, if your gas bill is higher than usual, don't worry about it. That's normal." Blame Joe Byron. So oh. so that's fine. Like I would be more concerned. They threw a little they threw a little no, they political okay. No. No, no. Imagine that'd be fucked up. I mean, that's like uh, a thing. That's like a thing that happens all the time. It's just like, yeah. I mean, I guess it's not always like companies, not always like um, companies like that. But there is there is a I, tendency to like relieved. throw some sort of like like the the reason why things are going so badly right now is because of the president. It's like no, that's probably other factors too. I I was worried though that there was like something wrong with my heating system. I was like, is there something inefficient going on? And maybe there still is. Like, I need more data. Uh, but it was a relief to know that, like, Other in general people. right now, the bills are high. Yeah, it was, um, a, it was a relief last night when I experienced weird ping on League of Legends, 160 MS, which is so unlike me ever. Like, I'm never experiencing that amount of ping. And then we we had it was a horrible game. We ended up surrendering it or actually we just lost that one in like 20 minutes. And then we go to another game where I had 30 ping and was good. And then you and uh, friend of the show, past co-host, Saran, uh, had like 160 ping and experienced how unplayable my first match was. So and then you, I was just, I was that's just, a relief to you. That was a relief to me. All right. Yeah, I mean, because it, it, was, it was more... I've been experiencing truly bizarre uh, video game problems, connection issues that uh, can almost not be explained. I... I I have to I have to think that it's some sort of weird firewall issue or um, I, I don't really I can't really tell what it is. So uh, a long time ago, there where there was like the beginning of this, maybe and perhaps not even related to me, was the old Guilty Gear lobby issues where people used to blame it on me specifically. But in the beginning of Guilty Gear Strive, there was this lobby issue where after a couple rounds or so that was were, were played in the lobby, the lobby would just like completely die. And uh, it, it would make it so that like you could try and queue up with other people, but it would stop. It would just keep trying to like authenticate uh, the queue and then it would uh, fail out and say like lost connection to opponent. And then also you would see like the, the people in the lobby teleporting around. And largely people blamed that on me for some reason it was just like i don't like that's fair like for like it didn't seem like it was happening sometimes when i wasn't there and then sometimes it happened when i was there but it ended up not being due to me it was just a, a larger like guilty gear issue and um we don't experience that anymore they've they've fixed those lobbies i don't know if that that, that, that might have just been a um strain on the system kind of thing like you know the first couple of weeks is the highest amount of players so weird shit is happening in the lobbies and i don't know if it was like on the server side there was a problem with like too many people so that it would like uh once the once the lobby has played a couple rounds it's just like sort of you're done like we're going to offload data to these other people beginning their games or i don't know I, I i i i'm just guessing anyway yeah, it could still be you though right it probably is still you i mean th this is frustrating because there are problems there are certainly problems with my computer that is getting up there in age and the biggest one is loading because of an old hard drive and that is fair like i understand like that is related to this computer um the, the hard drive that is like we've been beyond hard drives for 10 years yeah 
Well, in the beginning, I also I heard a lot of scuttlebutt about like, oh, you don't get SSD because they have a certain amount of like, like lifetime. It'll like decay. It'll decay, kind of thing. And it's like, I guess that was when maybe that no. was maybe when? that was like a um, hard drive company conspiracy kind of thing of the, the same way that like the electric car kind of thing of like of like, but what if you're driving in the middle of nowhere and you run out of where are you gonna get the electric from? Where? Then I'll just fucking die. I, who cares? Where are you, where are you gonna get the electric from? Huh? Just let me die. Just let me die in the in the desert in the Mojave Desert. But um, so then new issues happening, and these are the ones that are inexplicable and seem to truly be related to me, and it's annoying as fuck. And I cannot, for the life of me, even like googling this issue, I can't find the answer to this. So I have no idea what it could be. It's it. This seems fake. So anyway, so it started with Blaze Blue where. Um, we would get into a Blaze Blue lobby, and we could play for a while, and then this issue would start where if it were uh, if it were me and anybody but the owner of the lobby, uh, the game we, it would let us go through character select, and it would let us get up until the it's loading to start the game, and then it would uh, it would crash. It would say like there's like a syncing error, and the host is returned back to the lobby, and it would just came, and it, it continually does this. There's no way out of it. Um, the best, the, the only answer to it is once it starts happening, I have to be the host of the lobby and then everyone, then like the issue seems to go away because it's either, if it's me, then it's me playing a game and I'm always the host. And then the other people in the lobby don't have this issue. So if they're in my lobby and they're playing each other and they're not playing the host and they don't seem to have this problem. I just don't know why, like, it's such a weird thing. If there's an issue with my internet connection then you would then the game would just keep going right like it would just go and the game would it, it would be a poor game it would be a poor connection but there it wouldn't kick you back out to lobby um so this this started happening in guilty gear in a uh, in blaze blue and it it's annoying as hell and i don't know why it does it i have to i don't know what's going on in the back end if it's like a peer-to-peer thing and then suddenly because it becomes peer-to-peer that my that like malware bytes or something is like kicking in and saying like no no you can't do peer to peer like this is gonna uh, cause a, uh, a a like virus or something like to get into the system but anyway so it started game happening of the year, then, am I right what game of the year am I right yeah fantastic and then in in Guilty Gear Strive it start it just recently started happening now where if I'm not the owner of the lobby. Then, like I like we, I was trying to play games with with friend of the show Gway Galloway. Thank you, Ryan Galloway and Bumper for the use of music we use in the intro and outro. You can get it off the new album Pop Songs 2021. I think that's the name. Um, uh, you can find them at 2020, Rem- maybe 20. Is it 2020? Is it that old? It's that old. Get old. Am I right? I get old. Um, but I, I really should get it it's right. A deep cut. Um. Anyway, uh, the, so it started happening in there where you same thing. It lets you do character select it lets you it, it shows the eagle flying around and then the second it goes to a white screen prior to starting up the game it would say like connection lost and it would exit out the lobby so weird as hell then we were playing street fighter and this issue started happening to galloway where we're like i instead of because what would happen in guilty gear is that it would kick me it would boot me back to the to the main menu it would kick me out of galloway's room and then i would be on the main menu then in street fighter what happened was that uh, it, it would boot Galloway back out to, like, it would completely, like, crash his Street Fighter, and then he would restart from all all the way over again and have to get back into a lobby. Um, and it, it was just, it's bizarre. 
I don't know what's happening. So I don't even know if the Street Fighter one, is it me? Like, is something that my computer is doing, it, like booting him back out and then leaving me like some sort of Highlander back into his lobby? What is that? How I, It is so inexplicable to me that this, it, what this issue could possibly be. Like, if it's whatever weird thing is like, I'm connected to a server, like I'm connected to the server, right? Like if I, in Guilty Gear... It, it it asks you to like you, there's a there's a menu there's a screen a little pop-up screen that says connecting when you hit play when you when you hit the player match button when you hit the player match like option and then you have to you find that person and then there's another connecting screen and then they can see you walking about the lobby so i don't understand why it's in the in these games and like fighting games at that moment that the round starts the game is like nope now is the time to boot you and I don't get what's what's going on. It's so bizarre. All right. Yeah. So this is a this is not related to any of that. This is a predictions podcast for the week of January the twenty third. Be with you. Um, we uh, had it's not actually. This is the game of the year categories podcast. Oh, and predictions maybe. Okay. I'd said that. Yeah, we didn't. We last so last podcast, uh, we went through our monthly. Uh, you know, this is the games that came out in twenty twenty one. Uh, and next week we're doing our game of the year categories, which is it's in the Google doc. And we're going to go through not only our favorite games, but also a couple of categories as well. We do this differently every year. And, uh, I, I am apparently bad at predicting cause I couldn't even predict what this podcast was going to be about. So, uh, how are we doing this? Because with two people, I don't know if we're going to be well, able to, you, we've add, done... you added to this list and, and what, and during last week. Yeah. Yeah, you added to this list. So we're just going to go through our categories and we're going to discuss our picks uh, for these categories. So let me read off the categories in order. Best roguelite. Game we wish we played more. Best ongoing. Games we wish were better. Best RPG. Most unique slash weird. Best looking. Best riot release. Best fighting game. 2022's 2021 game of the year. Best <laughs> Pokemon game, and then our individual game of the year. This is 2022's 20, 2021 best game of the year seems pointed at this point because there's a game on it that you're loving. And we should probably uh, do that next year. You have right? you. you I, it looks like there's a sudden sudden write-ins to make this game that you're playing <laughs> win multiple awards. No, no, no. No, no, no. Uh, okay. Additionally, we um yeah, so we should probably move 2022's 2021 game of the year uh to the end of this year, to the end of 2022, right? That would make yeah. sense. Yes. Cuz 2022 has not happened yet. It is happening what we, now. What we didn't plan for is is we didn't we don't have a 2020's 2021 game of the year. Uh so we're going to skip that. So let's uh start from the top and discuss the best roguelite of the year. Games we played that didn't release this. Oh, we already did that. Um, best roguelite of the year. So you've written in uh, Dead Cells and the DLC, Inscription Act 1, Ziggurat 2, Critadel, Gunfire Reborn, and Tribes of Midgard. So have you played any uh, roguelites this year? Um, I have. I would also say that Loop Hero is not on this. All right. That, so is, that add, is roguelite. We'll add in the Loop Hero. Um, Hades did not come out this year. Uh, there's a game called Worm Snow that looks very good. It's like a, a recent roguelite that had launched on Steam a couple days ago and is getting very good reviews. And uh, we can add Dreamscaper to this list as well, uh, which you might remember as the Dreamscaper is the one where 
um, at night you are going into your dreams and fighting like your doubts and anxieties. And then during the day, it's kind of like a life sim where you're going through a town and getting relationships with characters and doing crafting and things that are, uh, you know, changing your character's psyche and then affecting your traversal through those dungeons. Mm -hmm. Neat. So Inscription Act 1, that is kind of a weird pick, right? Because the game isn't defined necessarily by its roguelite mechanics. There are, you know, the 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 story that's going on, I think, is a big contributor uh, to what makes Inscription as, as powerful as it is. And I, I don't know that... So it, it makes it a great game, but I don't know that it makes it necessarily a great roguelite. Hmm, I would disagree because I think that if I'm looking at this, my favorite actually might be Inscription Act 1. There is like... It is really reminiscent of Slay the Spire. There's a ton of cool, different, unique things that happen each run, and there's like a lot of cool ways to get out of control. Uh, yeah, one thing that I, I think one of the big ones is when you die, you create a card of your of your uh, where essentially like you're assembling uh, different cards together in order to construct like a very strong card uh, that you can find in future runs. Yeah. Um... There was, there's also like that, uh, what is it? The, the, like a uh, statue mechanic. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. Uh, so the statue mechanic, uh, and it's, it's, I don't know how much crossover there is with that run to run, but essentially what it is, is, uh, you choose a, a race of creatures and then you choose a modifier. And then whenever you have that race of creatures, it will be empowered. So the big one is always modifying squirrels because you have, a side deck of squirrels so you can make it so that the squirrels are flying or they never die or they're worth like extra blood when you sacrifice them to summon stronger creatures yeah i had I, I i my run that got out of control was like the squirrels bounce back to my hand so i was always able to like if i had space on the on the board i could just keep playing squirrels sacrifice all of them play like a big creature keep playing those same squirrels out like once i had three or four squirrels in my hand, I was basically done for like the rest I, of the, like I, for the rest I of that match. That I could just summon whatever I wanted. I think most people that when when they beat Inscription Act One, they did it with a squirrel deck though. They did it with some sort of that's it's the story I've heard from everybody. Yeah. About about their run that went off the deep end because of what they did with their squirrels. Yeah, I forgot I also had other some other things going on, like the amalgams that were that became everything. I think they were like indestructible and like huge. And I don't know. There, there that game is very fun. Um, I'm I'm not saying I don't think that Inscription Act One holds up forever the way that like Dead Cells would or a Gunfire Reborn or some of these other ones. Like uh, they it doesn't hold up inscrutably to tons of different plate. Maybe the the new the DLC does, but yeah. And so that's what I was gonna ask next, which is if. If this were like um, the one that you thought were the best, I feel like you might have installed the DLC, which lets you uh, go back to Act One and play it as a as a real roguelite with um, increasing difficulty tiers and things like that. No, I guess I guess if I had to like if I had to say my best, now that you've you you make a good argument, I would probably say Loop Hero. I feel like I wanted more games that were like Loop Hero this year. It was such a cool, satisfying loop. Uh, every time, like I just had such a blast replaying that 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 same setup and trying to do different things. My only wish with Loop Hero is I feel like um, for the type of game it is, it's a little bit content sparse. Yeah, 
where there's only three classes and the amount of cards, I think I might have seen maybe not every card in the game, but maybe like 90% of the cards in the game, which, you know, it, it's I, I played it for 20 hours. It's a $15 game, so it's not necessarily a bad value, but there, you know, these types of games are usually games that you're getting uh, dozens of hours out of and you're not really seeing everything and you're really uh, getting some uniqueness each run. Mm-hmm. Loop Hero, I, I mean, there's so many things to love about it in terms of its aesthetics, its music. Um, but I think that specifically like as a roguelite and, y- you know, maybe maybe it's a bit of an awkward category because is the category best game that is a roguelite. Or is it the best game like the, that performs as a roguelite and does, you know, the run-based approaches better than other games? Mm-hmm. Uh, so for best game that is a roguelite, I could definitely see Loop Hero uh, being a contender. And and I would totally understand if, like, Loop Hero is your game for this category. Uh, but it's not the one that I would choose. And, and just because of what I look for in these types of uh, these are yeah. also types of games where I really value the gameplay. Like I want something usually that's a bit like almost action packed. Like I, and I guess that like varies, right? The, the, sometimes the, uh, you have, like, the Destiny, the, the Bungie um, five second uh, loop thing. The five second yeah. um, uh, Bungie has this uh, this creed, this motto kind of thing about um, you try and make like five like just five seconds of it feel amazing and then just keep endlessly having the player do that or just something that feels like pretty amazing. And that's why they just, they, they get like gunplay. So right. They get uh, minute to minute, like moment to moment kind of gameplay. So correct. And I, I see what you mean. Like something like a gunfire reborn, maybe if the, you know, the shooting is tight enough that you're, you're having fun every second, even when you're not interacting with simply roguelite mechanics, um, loop hero, has a lot of downtime, especially at the beginning of the runs when it's a little slow, like you're not at where you want to be at in the beginning and you're just kind of like, uh, like, can let me, um, you know, uh, fast forward to like five minutes in this run when things start popping off and like I start making some choices and I start building up this this level. Yeah. Um, so Tribes of Midgard, I put on this list. It's not a game that's going to win this category for me. I I think that it's too stressful almost also, it's like a co-op game. It's it's a game that doesn't feel good to play alone, specifically. Like, a roguelite can be co-op, and that's great. Like, Gunfire Reborn is a great co-op roguelite. Uh, but Tribes of Midgard doesn't feel good alone. And I think that, for me, that really prevents it from being a winner of this list. Because there's, like, a specific... Specifically for me, like, there's a time of day that I like to play roguelites. Um, and it's usually when nobody else is around. Like, if somebody else is around, then I want to play a fighting game. I want to play Valorant. I want to play one of those. Uh, so Tribes of Midgard is is a hard sell for me for that reason. Um, yeah. I also, I don't know if I was, I had, I, I have, I like Tribes of Midgard much more in theory than I did a lot of times in practice. It's a game that I think by the end of the year or next year could really be phenomenal and, uh, at launch it's it's I, it is like an early accessy kind of game it's one where it's going to just get better over time and it's although technically is not, not the early access it's not is it yeah like it, but it is one of those it is a seasonal kind of game it's just going to get better over time and it launched yeah. i feel like uh 
there's a time where this game can get much more insane, much more, many more wild things going on every run. And right now, that's not it. Maybe it is right now. A lot of the runs definitely do start off feeling the same of like, okay, one person has to go and collect the wood. One person has to scout and find the, the path of the Jotun, find where the desert is, find where the, you know. So so again, like that, um, that kind of prevents it from, from being a, a great roguelite. So Critadel, I, I put it on this list because it's a roguelite I played this year. It's not going to win the category, um, but I think it's pretty neat. I do think that it suffers from similar problems of um, very sameness between a lot of the runs, um, despite the way that they build themselves as being like a hundred thousand unique weapon configurations, essentially because like they've got, uh, you know, like they have dozens or hundreds of weapons and then you're equipping them with different modifiers like scopes and laser sights or like explosive bullets that are changing the way that those guns work. Uh, but it doesn't make them feel like dramatically different enough that I think they could advertise like a hundred, a hundred thousand weapon combinations, but it's a really cool looking game. And it's got like a great aesthetic of like this old school Game Boy Advance Contra look to it. Um, that reminds me a lot of Mercenary Cap, but a little bit cleaner than, than Mercenaries. Overall, it's a decent game. I just think that this is a really hard category to win because there are, uh, so many great games that fall into this category. Uh, Dreamscaper, I talked about a little bit. I, I didn't love the gameplay of that one as much, but I think that aesthetically it's worth checking out. And I do think it's a great game. It just uh, couldn't hold my attention because there are so many other good roguelites, like Dead Cells, which is also at the top of this list for me. So how much Dead Cells have you played? I know that you played it for a bit when it was in early access. I don't know if you played like the full release necessarily. I played the full release a little bit. Um, and I, pl I think I played some more this year after one of the DLCs came out, but not the more recent one or the um, the hero DLC with all the different, like the blasphemous hero and the hyperlight drifter. Um, but I have played a fair amount of Dead Cells. So this is probably the one that i have the most hours in on the, on this let me let me think about that yeah this is dead cells is the one i have the most hours on i have about 50 hours in dead cells every run feels really different in dead cells so and it has i i i really think that dead cells out of all roguelike games probably has the best feeling progression of you're constantly getting stronger and stronger each run not just in your uh abilities uh but also in like your knowledge and things like that mm -hmm. there's so much to unlock and the unlocks aren't just um like finding new weapons they're also you're finding perks you're finding access to new levels and you're finding new like metroidvania abilities of now you can wall jump now you can uh turn this plant on the ground into a vine and use it to climb up now you can uh, remove your head and use your head to crawl through these little areas to hit switches that open doors. And as they've released more and more DLCs, which have all been really affordable, I think the DLCs are probably around like $5 each. Each DLC comes with new areas and, and that also further uh, decrease, you know, increases the amount of variety between runs uh, because as you're going through each, each run, certain areas will incentivize you to go there. They'll give you extra souls and extra gold if you go to, and it's always going to incentivize areas that you haven't been to recently. And this really 
allows you to just see more of the game and to make every run feel a bit different. Uh, build variety is good. They've been adding a lot of new weapons. Uh, I don't, because I have sort of been like dipping in and out of it, I don't know necessarily which weapons are new and which weapons are old. Uh, so all I could say is every run I feel like I'm I'm seeing something new and something interesting. All of the unlocks feel good. And I think Dead Cells is still a really terrific game. It's been out for almost four years at this point. Yeah. If that feels crazy. I know. But it's still trucking. Still a doing really strong job. So Ziggurat 2 is the game that I think that you would actually uh, really, really dig on this list, uh, besides Gunfire Reborn. Ziggurat 2 is an extremely fast-paced, um, sort of, it has like Doom speed FPS, um, FPS roguelite uh, that's all based around being a mage. So, And also, it, it's weird to call it a roguelite. It, it is, but it also it technically has like a campaign but each campaign mission sends you into sort of like a roguelite dungeon where you go in with a set of weapons. Uh, you are leveling up in that dungeon. And as you level up, you're unlocking perks. You're finding newer and stronger weapons in that dungeon. And then when you come out of the dungeon, once you've completed it, uh, you're getting resources uh, to buy new perks. And you're unlocking more weapons uh, spells, alchemy, and also characters. There's 11 characters in the game, each with unique abilities, passives um, that are available. Uh, so I think that you would dig this because I think that it is uh, a re it has a really good pace to it. Um, it moves really nicely, and it also looks really, really good in motion. Like the lighting effects, the the frame rate, the the look of the monsters, and the way that they react to you. Uh, hitting them, lighting them on fire, electrocuting them. It, it's very punchy and 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 I really appreciate that. My my knock against it, and I'm I'm pretty early in the game. I'm I'm eleven hours in. I, I would call that early for one of these games. It's just that I feel like the perks aren't very interesting. Like you're, you you'll find a perk that's like uh you deal seven percent more damage or your fire rate with alchemy weapons is fifteen percent more or this school of magic uses 20% less mana than other ones. And I'm, I've am i only unlocked, I think, like 30 out of 160 perks. So I feel like they're hiding like the weird and cool perks like later on. But I feel like they shouldn't. Like, I don't think that that's good game design. I think that they should really start you off with something that is like punchy and interesting so that you, you know, th so that you kind of feel okay, this is a sign of things to come. Like there's, I'm probably going to see some really cool shit if I keep playing this game. Uh, but I think that it kind of has a bad first impression, hmm. uh, despite knowing that I, it gets pretty interesting later on as you unlock more. Yeah, I should give that a try. Uh, more so, I think that you should give Gunfire Reborn a try. I did. Uh, I did. I have it. You, I think you've played it for 30 minutes. You should yeah, give I just it played, more through, I played the first run. I should give it more of a try. I was, we were talking last night about... Um, after we finished playing League, we were like, what, what other games can we play that aren't so sweaty? Like if like, you know, uh, some like a wind down game where we would still stay online with like Sean or something and, uh, uh, like be able to play it, but it not be, you know, the focus of like, oh man, I'm doing so badly. These people are better than me. I'm never going to be this good yeah, kind of thing. This is, this is a great one. I think that, uh, you know, Game Pass also has some really good ones. Game Pass has like uh, Deep Rock Galactic on it. It has um, Back for Blood, but I think that Gunfire Reborn, uh, 
would definitely be the pick. I actually think Sean would dig it too. So the reason why Gunfire Reborn is so special and so good is that it lets you play Borderlands without having to play a Borderlands game. Yeah, they don't have the humor. And, and the I think lack that of that's, that's a big deal. So, so many things make this game good. Uh, the weapons are all, like, super original. I, uh, and it feels weird that I can't uh, think of any off the top of my head, but there are, um, like, ricocheting knives. There are, like, gravity rocket launchers. Uh, there are swords that can, like, uh, let loose a fiery tornado. There's like laser gauntlets. And then there are perks. And well, first off, there are affixes on all of these weapons uh, that are modifying them. And there are also legendary weapons, uh, legendary affixes for every weapon um, that are unique to that weapon. And there's more than one where it'll be like uh, this gravity rocket launcher, after it sucks everything in, it explodes and pushes everything apart. And on top of that, there's, I think, six different character classes, and they all play extremely different. They all have different talent trees uh, that you're leveling up. So run to run, you could be playing the same character and have a totally different build uh, just because of what you end up finding. So I think that this is a really strong game. I think that it hits on everything that you want a roguelite to hit on. Uh, from the run variety, from the insane power level that you eventually get to that makes you just feel ludicrous. I think that that's something uh, that Dead Cells and Ziggurat specifically miss out on is making you feel like a god. And I think that this is a game that that definitely gets you there of, I you know, you feel unkillable or you feel uh, like you are melting everything in one shot. And I think that uh, it, it is a game about like fulfilling that fantasy. And, and it also is a fantasy that is fulfilled by Borderlands, right? Where you get to the end game and you're just melting everything in front of you. And it's really cool that this game gets you there uh, in like a half hour to 40 minute run. And for that reason, uh, for me, I think that Gunfire Reborn is the best uh, roguelite of 2021. I say that with some authority because I play so many of these games. This is true. And it has, it, it's doing really well too. Like on Steam, it has 94% uh, positive reviews with 60,000 reviews compared to, uh, you know, you look at a Ziggurat, that's 800. Uh, Dead Cells probably has a lot. Mm -hmm. Dead Cells is uh, 83,000. So Gunfire Reborn, it's, it's up there. It's pretty popular. We gotta move we'll go quicker th through those other categories. Yeah, the other ones will get through faster. Uh, this one, near and dear to my heart. I think the only uh, the only other one that I am gonna go on a lot about is best Pokemon game. I I love Pokemon. You know that. I love that. You just hate uh, Pokemon. You're gonna move on. Why don't to you uh, kick us off with the next one? Games we wish we played in parentheses more. So I guess it's uh, games we either didn't play but wanted to, or games we wish we played more. Um, and then you have written down here. I guess literally anything could be on this. Um, but Dark Souls Remastered, Returnal, Among Us, or other party games, uh, Splitgate, League of Legends, It Takes Two, and Oath, the board game, makes an appearance. It's true. Um, so Returnal seems really cool, and it's it's is it st it still remains the reason why I would buy a console at this point. Um, I'm gonna. Do you think they'll release this on um on Steam at some point, or do we have to? Wait for Microsoft to buy someone. 
Um, I, you know, in our predictions podcast, uh, I'm going to spoil one of my predictions, and that is that I think that Sony might have to answer this. Uh, like Microsoft is in a good, is in a really good spot this year to actually, like, it, I would always buy if I'm going to own one console, it's probably the Sony. It's probably the Sony console. And if I was, if someone said right now, like, oh, you can have for free uh, the the Xbox Xbox Series X, and I don't even remember which one is. Uh, how they're different, the S and the X, um, or a PS5. I would probably say the PS5. Um, I would, and, and I don't I, know. I for for I mean, I mean I'm, like they're, well, they're saying you're getting it for free. I mean, is, is there is there another concern for it? Because I don't know if there's really any. Are there good? Uh, uh, well, the thing exclusives? is, if you're, a P- if you're a PC player, then absolutely go with the PlayStation, right? But if you if you were coming in with nothing, if you didn't have a PC and you didn't have a PS5. You get so much more value out of the Xbox because of Game Pass. Yeah. Um, so it depends, especially if you're a kid. Uh, the Xbox is amazing. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking for me. For me, yeah. So I would go. I would go with PlayStation. Is the reason why. And Returnal is the reason why. And I feel like this. I'm gonna in my prediction in the predictions podcast. I'm gonna say that this is the year that one of us might get a console because uh, Sony. I feel like has to buy up some like you know smaller devs and start making exclusives because it's terrifying to think about microsoft owning the blizzard franchise and what if they turn blizzard into like a good developer you know what i mean that's not terrifying that is terrifying like blizzard blizzard has been and activision has like basically nothing going for it other than call of duty it used to be that activision had everything every every major tony hawk what about tony hawk they've got tony hawk He's too old to be skateboarding. Get that man out of the half pipe. He's gonna keep going. Oh, he's gonna kill himself. This you is can't the, stop him all, from so many celebrities have died this year. Prediction: Tony Hawk suffers fatal injuries don't say, don't during the most d- during the most rad trick he's ever done in his entire life. Um, so he goes out doing what he loves, and then they stop making Tony Hawk game. But mm, I, I don't like that. I think I, I mean it's not about what we like or not, right? Um, that's predictions. This is the year that all the celebrities die. I don't like that. And the 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 lower class, the lower class, henceforth known as the lower class, rises up. Um, that would be. I mean, and, that would be something. And we start we start cussing that. more in 2022. Uh, I fucking love that. Yeah, but we start cussing in the way that kids do when they first learn about it. So they're just like, I can't uh, fucking. Bo- <laughs> <laughs> that's the yep. That's the way the kids start cussing. Jizz, um, big j- fat load of cum. Yeah, someone's been watching too much. Uh, I think you should I leave. You should, yeah. um, I just rewatched the same episodes over and over. Game uh, we wish we played more: Dark Souls Remastered, Returnal. So Returnal is w- remains the the reason to to buy a PlayStation. I would. I'm gonna say that for me, uh, League of Legends is not on this list. Uh, League of Legends isn't because if you want to play it, just go play it, right? Yeah, we've we have. Maybe it's also that um, we were having a good time with it. Re- uh, the last time we were the last league of legends cycle that we were getting into, uh, we went away from it for a little while. And then we kind of recently came back with a new league of legends cycle. And I have not been having fun. Oh, I'm having fun. I have not been having fun. I, I think that, uh, you know, both games can both of riots major games. I, I can't just jump in and say both games, but, but, um, I, I typically end up liking Valorant a little bit more. Um, even when I'm having a bad day in Valorant, I kind of like that minute to minute in Valorant more than league league can sometimes feel like, you know, you're playing 20 minutes to start playing sometimes. 
Um, and we've had a lot of these like slower games or just games where things went wrong and like going things going wrong in league is worse than almost any other game for me because it's so dry. The minute to minute is so dry outside of that kind of stuff. Like I do crave a good um, like a solid laning phase that's close into, you know, both teams coordinated um, fighting over objectives where it feels like the um, the playing field is even. But you don't always get that kind of game. And especially when you're getting stomped, it's like one of the most frustrating games. I often want to, regardless of how things turn out, if if it's a unrated game and you're just getting like obliterated, it's, you know, one, it's zero to ten in the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes and they've taken two objectives and their jungler has gotten every camp and all the lanes are losing and everyone's behind CS. It's like, I, I just want to be done with that. It, maybe you can turn it around. I, it's not impossible to turn that kind of thing around, but it almost just feels like, get me out of here. Get me, let's get to a new one of this. I, I, this is not enjoyable. Uh, like, I, And I don't want to have to put in a wild amount of effort to come back and, or just more, more likely bleed to death over the course of 30 minutes, you know? So... So I, I I've I, I have I am not feeling like I'm feeling a little satiated on on League at the moment. It takes two has gotten so many awards. I feel like it would be a good game, but uh, it has not. Uh, I, I don't hear about it and then think I really want to play it that much. Yeah, me neither. That's not a game that I. Uh, that's not the type of game I usually care for either. Um, Among Us actually, I could go for that. I can um, go for more Among Us. If, yeah, if, I, if I'm going out early, this is that Among Us is, I think, the game that wins the category for me. I really missed... Uh, there was a kind of cool time in gaming in the early, early days of the pandemic. You know, I was super busy and uh, work was, was tough, but everyone was kind of stuck at home. It was and tough, but fair. It was tough, but fair. Yeah, not really. Uh, I'm just not kidding. really. But, uh, but, but everyone was kind of stuck at home. And I kind of liked that, like, a lot of people were, were either, like, you know, out of the workforce for a little bit or... Uh, you know, like there was a lot of free time everywhere. And also it was, there wasn't a feeling of like, oh, we need to, um, like, I can't be sitting around on my computer all the time. I need to go out and, and do some things. Like I should be going over to a friend's house. I should be doing something. I should be going out to do groceries or, or like go to the gym or something. And during, eh. and during that, that time, there was none of that. It was just like, you were you, a hero if you do, didn't do that. Do you want to stay inside and play games? And because of it, we kind of had this, this, this short amount of time where we had this expanded friend group of, you know, every night around like seven or eight people, like a ton of people would get on. We were playing like full lobbies of Among Us and uh, all that kind of stuff, like uh, just there was there was a like a cute little meta that went along with it, and it was you know one of the best things about games um, is is not the game, it's it's the people you play it with, and like the game is the excuse to spend time with someone, and Among Us is just a phenomenal one of that, and like there was a reason why it was big, uh, and if only I I predicted last year that we would get like a really good, huge, um, like third party, uh, a, a big triple A uh, among us, something where, um, or a werewolf, a video game werewolf, where, uh, you know, it, it was that same kind of thing of lying to your friends and trying to do objectives in secret or, or ruin the objectives in secret. And I, I really want this again. I think that out of, out of these games here, like that is the thing that I don't get anymore is a big, ridiculous party game. Yeah. And that, um, I, I I understand. Uh, Splitgate's on this list. I I put this here. I wish that more people were interested in playing this over, like, let's say, Halo. 
um, and maybe at some point Splitgate comes back, people seem to really be hating a lot of things about Halo. And I think that's cool because that means that people will go back to Splitgate, which I think is a much more interesting game. Uh, I think Oath is the winner for me. We played as much Oath as we could this year, which admittedly was not enough Oath. Uh, So I really hope we can play more next year uh, because Oath is a stand-in for any board game. I just want to, you know, as I've moved away, I worry that my chances to play board games are going to be a little bit less. You have to find a group. Uh, So, yeah. We we played a fair amount of Oath, and and, uh, that game just, if you remove yourself from, certain people can't do this. Certain people, like a certain friend of ours, can't do this but if you remove yourself from like the fairness of the game the winning or losing part of the game um and and kind of lean a little bit more into uh you know like oh uh james's army of of uh like went to the the shores where they found a mystic healer and then were able to get back into the running for the king like if you can do that and kind of have a sort of mental narrative more about the story than about the actual outcome yeah the, the oath kind of uh for me when i look at it more of like a kingdom death when i look at it more as a emergent game um something that tells a story i think that that is when i appreciate it the most i think that it uh gameplay wise is good but how it uh functions to like tell a story and create a narrative uh pretty effortless effortlessly when you kind of lean into that i think is probably one of my favorite things about it is just like the experience looking back on it and i think that that's why i like it so much is because um with other board games sometimes if they are very much about winning and like being you know micromanaging and um you know playing shrewdly and economically throughout the game if you lose and sometimes there's a feeling of like we played two hours of this it was a pretty good game but i'm kind of frustrated in the end like i lost to a bullshit card draw or i lost to a bullshit roll of the dice or something and with this game there is plenty of bullshit card draw and bullshit roll of the dice but when at the end of that two hours or whatever if you can you can look back and say like i didn't win but this crazy thing happened or like i did do something insane that was like very memorable and fun and and i think that makes it so that um you can always enjoy your time with it regardless of the outcome and and i love that way that you book that you end it by uh writing about what happened and you know friend of the show kevin cruz uh has drawn some pictures in there. You've drawn some pictures about, you know, sort of like a, a portrait about what happened. And I and I like to look back on that and, you know, remember those games because the games are very memorable. Uh, what a great roguelite. <laughs> so for me, Oath wins the Oath wins this category. Oath wins, Oath wins this category, and it also wins for roguelite me. again for some there reason. There you go. There you go. Uh, uh, it retroactively won. Good congratulations to Oath and Among Us, the two winners of game of uh, game we wish we played more. Best ongoing, James, take us away. Uh, so let's see. We have Valorant, Apex Legends, New Maps, Blaze Blue Central Fiction, Dead Cells DLC packs, Guilty Gear Strive characters, and the Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye. Hey, whoa! Can I take one right off the list right away? Guilty Gear Strive. What the fuck? Guilty Gear Strive. 
do not like you being on here. Guilty Gear Strive is whack. The ongoing support for it has been miserable. We've talked about this uh, throughout the year, but in short, the um, the the uh, balance up like, it hits so heavy and hard, and it introduced a lot of new people to the fighting game genre. And it had it was so, it kind of feels like Guilty Gear in my mind is like Anakin and. Uh, Anakin was supposed to, you know, bring the light and the dark together and to create a new path for the Jedi. And like he was this, you know, prophetic uh, character in this in the lore and was supposed to, you know, bring peace to the galaxy and yet does the complete opposite. And that's what Guilty Gear Strive is. Guilty Gear Strive has rollback. It has everything that it should have done. It, it, it has shorter combos. It's less complicated. It has amazing rollback net code that you couldn't, that you don't even have to think about, you know, if you're playing online most of the time, uh, a phenomenal starting cast. And yet the, the, the patches afterward were just bad in a lot of cases. Like, Oh yeah. It the seems characters like were bad. They did weird uh, balance adjustments. We never actually saw the tier lists move in a dramatic way. Yeah. If you look at the characters winning tournaments now, uh, they're not so different than the than who used to be winning tournaments. Uh, so yeah, Guilty Gear Strive, uh, not the best ongoing. The characters game. that were introduced are so niche and so bizarre. And until Happy, until Happy Chaos, a lot of the characters have just been strikeouts. Like so people play those those DLC characters, but they don't feel like they integrated well into the game. They feel like a DLC character. It feels like you know the DLC characters are made for like one percent of the population, and that they're usually like so weak. And then and then yeah, like we said, the the balance changes are not up to snuff. They're not doing enough. The way they changed like throws and things like that. So we, and we don't have to get into that. But yeah, guilt. So guilty gear strive off the list. Uh, Let's talk about some of these other ones. So Dead Cell DLC packs. Uh, I don't think that this is going to win. Uh, I did want to give it an honorable mention because I think that these have uh, continued to expand what Dead Cells uh, is already good at, but I don't think that they are uh, necessarily better than the base package. I, I think they're great, um, but I just don't think that they're going to uh, stand here against some of these others. Yeah, yeah. Um... Blaze Blue Central Fiction Netcode is phenomenal. I, 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 it might not win the category, but uh, it is really cool to breathe such a uh, such life into an older game. Um, you know, this they, is they added a rematch button. Uh, they, and they're so yeah, they're they're like, like kind of twenty twenty two update. But they're yeah. kind of doing some things with uh, this older game and uh you know keeping sustaining life for it i i would like to see i'm so interested when um you know bigger tournaments start rolling around in the year of our lord 2022 if we see um larger uh blaze blue entrance maybe blaze blue is a little bit back on the forefront maybe evo 2022 has blaze blue um you know on the main stage uh i i, I could see it um i i feel like there is a huge group of people that are kind of like more interested in this genre now and have been onboarded yeah. by guilty gear so in a way guilty gear really was similar to anakin continuing guilty my my, pheno my phenomenal metaphor guilty gear was the first fighting game of the new generation yeah so it continues my phenomenal metaphor that even though Anakin has gone to the dark side and has become Darth Vader, he really did, in a way, uh, create a new path for the Jedi. Um, so yes, I, I uh, Blaze Blue Central Fiction having uh, better netcode brought back life to a game that is really solid and has a very wild cast and a lot of great stuff in it, like great tutorials, great challenges. Um, uh, Valorant, 
uh, for, you know, like, obviously uh, got a, a fair amount this year. You know, to, to against its credit, Devil's Avocado, I would have to say that, um, you know, when I did the predictions um, last year, I kind of thought that Valorant would get um, a better, you know, better, better tools in the client. There Valorant- are definitely, yeah, some things that are missing from Valorant still, uh, despite uh, having such robust enhancements when it comes to new characters and new maps, uh, new really great skins that are way too expensive. Uh, we still don't have replays. We still don't have agent to agent loadouts, which they uh, keep saying they can't do, which is insane. Uh, so Valorant is a weird one on this. List. I mean, they, I they don't understand. even have, they don't have. There's so many little things. They they don't have any sort of stat tracking on the main client. Like yeah, I no I, tracking, I am no someone replays. who loves that kind of stuff. Like between matches, I would love to look at something like Overwatch had had you character know pages and pages like of yeah, yeah they had they had a thing where every character would show you stuff like oh here's the amount of times you've landed their ultimate here's the amount of times you've gotten headshots here's the average amount of damage you do per game here's the amount that of time you've played cool. this character that kind of stuff is yeah. cool like I love they have you, it in. Apex Legends too. They have like all the stat trackers that you could put on your like character cards. So when you join a match, people are like, "Oh shit! The the champion from the last match has like twenty thousand kills on Wraith." Yeah, and they always do. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that kind of that kind of stuff is I I think is really really cool. I think the Valorant client is still bare bones in a, in a game that is you know a premier esports game. I cannot believe you can't do replays. I always want I want to look back at some games where someone just seemed like they had like fake ass like uh you know toggling aim and that they look like maybe they were you know aimbotting and i want to look back at them and see like were they doing it or like are they doing something different are they playing differently than me can i can i watch this person that plays just slightly above my level not wildly above my my level but maybe enough that like i can learn a few tips from them they don't have these kind of basic things i want to look at my games i want to look at like when you lost these duels where was your you know, uh, where was your crosshair or, or a good game? Like when I was, when I'm playing well, what am I doing? What is, what is different? And they, it doesn't have these kind of things, but I will say to its credit, it, uh, this, when Valorant came out, um, I always have the sense that like, I want updates a little hard and fast for a little while, and then you can slow down the updates. And we are at a, a good spot in Valorant. Valorant has gotten to the point where, um, I don't think there's as much, um, steam loss between patches. There's a, a uh, good amount of uh, maps now, um, even though you only get one per night. And there is a, a good amount of characters. Uh, is the balance there? I would say, like, maybe the balance still needs tweaking. But at the very least, in in, in uh, Unrated, you can play whatever you want. And it feels like, you know, you, you can play those three smokes. They're not, you're not, it's not going to be efficient to play Brimstone on every map. It's not going to be efficient to play Omen. But I still would rather pick them. And it does, you know, there's enough variety now. And I think that's the, that's a big thing to get to a point in Valorant where there's a lot of variety. Yeah, um... There are some things I don't like about the current Valorant meta, which makes uh, picking Valorant as best on going a little bit tricky. I put Apex Legends here as be- uh, like for the new maps, but then I realized that uh, Olympus, which is my favorite map, actually released at the very end of 2020, uh, which kind of disqualifies it. I think that it's still been a pretty good year for Apex Legends. They released four new characters, Ash, Seer, Valkyrie, Fuse. And they did release a new map uh, similar to Breeze, like a like a beachside paradise map, which was pretty cool. Re-release of King's Canyon again. So neat stuff there. Uh, but I don't think I played enough to justify it as being the best ongoing 
For yeah. me, the best thing going though is uh, the Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye, which is maybe uh, I don't know necessarily that you put. I, I don't this know if that's as fair as ongoing or best update because it is just a DLC pack. If this were best DLC, or if there was somewhere else that I could put this, like a like a best story, which we don't have this year, I would definitely say uh, Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye is there. I I needed a place to talk about it just to say that. Uh, they took, you know, one of the greatest games ever and managed to release a DLC for it that uh, stands against and, and stands up and is as good as the main story in that game. Uh, and I think it deserves to be recognized there. Uh, but for me, I would say that the best ongoing is probably Blaze Blue Central Fiction Netcode. Uh, for me, I, I I would say Blaze Blue. Blaze Blue is like up there, probably number two for me. If um. Uh, they did add the the rematch button. I would like to see just maybe. Uh, it would be cool if they kind of released some new things. I know that there's probably not really a dev team at Arxis like like uh, to do anything, but it'd be kind of cool if they did maybe like a final balance patch of like uh, pass of like you know these are the characters like maybe Noel you know is just garbage and everyone agrees that nine is a little bit too strong. Maybe if they just did one final balance patch a pass of like we. You know, we added the uh, the rollback netcode, so that's there. This game can live in in on forever, and we'll do one final little tiny like touch up here and there to uh, tweak to make that those those tiers a little bit tighter, and let this and hopefully let this game like you know go into retirement as people just like you know now can just endlessly figure out things and go wild with the game. Um, but for me, I would say Valorant, just because I I absolutely love Chamber. Um, I love the place that Valorant is in right now. Uh, there are, I would agree that there are minor problems. I don't really like the new character that much. Maybe she'll get tweaked or maybe it's like a raise thing where. Why would she get tweaked? Um, I, I, I want to see eventually, like, I, I feel like her kit does a, a lot um, and that uh, the I still think the ult can just be like a little whack. Like they, it just, it, it, there's parts of her kit that don't feel good to lose to, uh, similar to a raise. So I could imagine... Uh, her getting like possibly toned down a little bit, or maybe it's just something that we have to get more used to. I just find that character to be like a little obnoxious. Combines like the things that I don't like about like a, the, the people don't like about Arena, you know, like where she turns purple and it just feels like she's harder to hit for some weird reason. Um, uh, but I think it's a, but I think Valorant is in a great spot. Uh, the the stuff, the weird mistake with the Ares. Um, uh, like I I like that they'll that they do some that they try and do some new things every once in a while, and sometimes it falls off the rails. But like at least they're they're trying, um, and I think it was a good year for Valorant overall. I, I I do like the new maps. I like the new changes. I like the new characters, and I feel like whatever role I get put on, I have some diversity now. Right on. Uh, games we wish were better. Uh, ins in Inscription. Halo, Halo Infinite. Infinite. Guilty Gear Strive. Twelve minutes. Metroid Dread. Deathloop. Dude, Guilty Gear Strive. There are some. Guilty uh... Gear Strive is on here twice. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> there are not some bad here. games on this list. Holy shit! Some good games. Uh, this is the best so, category we have. I'll, I, uh, I, I'm going to say this is the best category we have. It's an interesting category because it has a mix of uh, games that we really like, but that there are something wrong with, and games that are just bad. So, Metroid Dread for me. Damn, uh, Metroid Dread. I put, I put it here because uh, I paid sixty dollars for it, and I beat the whole thing, and I don't like it. Uh, so for me, I wish it were better so that I could justify the money and time that I spent to play this game. Uh, but it's not going to win this category uh, because it's behind me now. 
And there are games that I actually like my... and appreciate and want to be better. Uh, as, as, a, as a quick aside, my I have a lieutenant that constantly tells really bad dad jokes, and one of his main dad jokes that has that he just has told like a hundred. I've heard it like a hundred times. Is like like people will complain about something hurting them or be like, oh, I hurt my wrist on this call, and he always says, I I, I hurt my back a while ago, but it's behind me now. So whenever I hear it's behind me now, I always just think of the stupid ass joke. So. I agree with you. I think that I don't know if Metroid Dread will win this. Uh, I wish I absolutely wish it were better. We talked a lot about Metroid Dread, and I think we got a, out a lot of the the worst feelings of, of it. It is such a seven out of ten. It is such a serviceable game um, that some people think is like phenomenal, and yet it, it you know there's so many things that it's doing just so wrong. Um, I, I I do wish Metroid Dread were better. I don't think Deathloop hangs on this list. Deathloop is so it's good en- enough, enjoyable. The whole yeah. time, and I and it deserves to be on this list or mentioned in among its these peers because the ending for Deathloop is so astoundingly bad that it doesn't pull it, the things together. Deathloop, I, I'll say again, like I, I wouldn't, it, despite the fact that's on this list. If someone said like, "Hey, should I get Deathloop?" or maybe it's on sale or something, it would be like, "Yes, absolutely." Deathloop is. A, you will have a blast for like 25, 30 hours, and then you'll forget you ever played it because when it ends, it just fails to, uh, I guess, like answer a lot of the things that you might have wanted. And maybe in a lot of ways, it wasn't the game that people wanted. It's very railroaded. Um, we we talked about Deathloop also on on the the, the prior the private the previous podcast about how. It, uh, you know, the, the whole point of it is reliving the same day and trying to figure out how to get all these people, all these enemies into one room enough that you can kill them over the course of one day, even though they're always spread out. And, um, you know, you might think that you as the player will find all these unique ways to, to off the visionaries. And yet, ultimately, um, you just, uh, you know, go uh, do as they the game kind of tells you. and Yeah, it's kind of like a one way. They, they call it's it. It's a I binary. They they call it like um the perfect day perf- or something. the perfect day or something is the achievement because there's really only one one perfect day, and that's what there is. There's one way that it can go that it really is what they intended. I was hoping for more of a sandbox to it or like finding some clever way to do things my own way. Yes. Uh, but ultimately, the, the game is open for so long where you sort of have the freedom to do what you want and go where you please and tackle things at your own pace until the end of it, uh, where there's only one thing that you can do. Yeah. Um, so good game. Um, do I do wish it were better. I, I do feel like it's going to get like left out of a lot of game of the year discussions um, just based on how it, it, it was an earlier... Uh, no, actually, it was not earlier in the, the year at all. Um, it feels like it is because in the same way that like a game that came out in, uh, you know, February or something earlier on in the year that you really enjoyed, but then come the end of the year, you forget that it even came out at that point. And there's, there's usually like a sort of lean towards the games that were more recent or like later in the year on game of the year list, because it's just that that's the game that is more recently with you. And this game, despite the fact that it came out in September, um, it feels like it, it came out a year ago. It just um, it, it just kind of left me immediately as soon as I finished it. For me, Halo Infinite is not on this list because I didn't really expect very much from it. I uh, Halo has not been done by Bungie for years. I do not like that style of shooting, and I continue not to like it. 
Um, I, I, I am now more, uh, and I think since playing CSGO for the first time, I have been more in the camp that I like those, um, really, really low, uh, time to kill shooters where, uh, you know, it's all about like good positioning, good aim. And, uh, it feels like very satisfying to just like tap someone in the head and Halo, I, I just, I, I had, I, if I played more of it, I could probably like it, but I, I hated it. I hated the time I spent with it. I, I don't want to jump around like slowly in this big open map and feel like I have to try and go over where the action is. But then when I do, the guns I have suck and someone runs me over with a warthog. Like I just had a shitty time with that game. I don't even wish it were better. I don't even want to think like I'm, I'm glad I'm not playing it. Uh, 12 minutes is on this list. I, so I played through this. We both played through this absolutely bizarre direction that this game goes. Um, I I still and it think, doesn't answer a lot of the questions that it initially poses, right? I I still think that it's doing something interesting. I think that there are some obvious problems even outside of the story, uh, where you're re- part of the gameplay is repeating things that you've already done and waiting for things to happen. And there are some shortcuts through the game. Um, this is a it's a time loop game uh, where you are sort of prodding at it and poking at it and trying to get different outcomes and more information. Uh, but in order to do that, you have to set things up in a certain way. Like I walk into the apartment, I take off my shoes, I flip the light switch, I hide in the closet, and I. That's what I do know, when I come home every every night. Is that what? Yeah. You- that's what you yeah. do in real life. But but it's not like engaging to do that like over and over. I think the and other thing is that it's it's so trial and error sometimes that you might have in your mind that like, oh, I need to speak to this character again. So I'll do this. And it takes you, you know, five to ten minutes to get up to where you would do this. And then I had times where I would think like I have to do this and then I would maybe like do it wrong or, you know, like the, the, everything that, that happens with the cop feels like it happens so quickly that like you can make a minor mistake and then like the cop just kills you and have to redo the 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 time loop. Uh, I just feel like I also feel like um, it can't be said enough how there's so many things like narratively that it does that doesn't pay off. One of the main things is that the the kind of I guess it's like a deus ex machina kind of thing. It's not a deus ex machina. It's more of a um, like a red herring where the uh, the there's this watch. And the, the, the main loop of this game is that the cop breaks into the apartment and is asking your wife where this watch is. And then I know that when you interrogate him, sometimes you learn that there's like this power to this watch, that this watch is worth a ridiculous amount of money that, um, that and, and there might even be something, he kind of hints that there is something more powerful to do with the watch. And it made me think that something, the watch is tying itself to the character in a sort of outer wilds kind of way where the watch is what's creating the time loop the time loop yeah uh, and none of this stuff ever comes back correctly like there's no answer to the watch and the end payoff is like absolutely You're insane. your sister or yeah, something the, the like end, that the end payoff is that like it's an unreliable narrator bullshit where um the cop thinks that your wife killed her dad and really she didn't she shot her dad but he survived and then you killed her dad and the reason why was because you're like his affair love child so you're his like stepchild and you're married to his daughter and that you knew that but then you um didn't know that like you forgot it amnesia style because it was too heart hurtful and that part of the, the thing that makes you finish this game is when you remember that you both murdered 
your dad who had you like with a cleaning lady and that you are married to your stepsister it it's whack like i don't know like it didn't come together and well, the winner of the category guilty <laughs> well, gear Strive. we didn't even say inscription inscription when i oh, the, sure. the first the first part of inscription you you were like you got to play this game you got to play this game when when inscription when i first started playing inscription i went in the there is three acts and we talked about inscription again like all these games we talked about uh, over the course of the our game of the year podcast um but inscription the first act for me when i was playing it i was like oh shit this is game of the year here it is there's no way this isn't it. And, and like, it, it even earned itself to Game of the Year list. And it's not a bad a game. A lot of people's Game of the Year yeah, lists. It's not a bad game at all by any any means. But I, w- but I strongly feel like the initial setup to Inscription and the kind of, like, what is the, what's going on? Who is this character? Um, the horror that you feel, the, the, un, the un, kind of uncomfortableness, the intense atmosphere, all of that in that first section of the game is like was game of the year with a bullet and then going into that second part of the game i just did not enjoy it 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 goes it does a complete 180 it has a new art style and it i I don't think that part comes together well i think the third part brings it back a little bit but it's still not as good so inscription is kind of i do wish it were better the first part is 10 out of 10 like game of the year material and then there's two more acts after that that don't quite live up to that so I do does, kind of does wish. it win? Does it win it for you? I don't think so because there is, you know, a game on here that was on here twice, and I, I, I couldn't even say I said it in the other category. Guilty Gear was is should be the fighting game that brought together all fighting games. It should be everything, and yet there are so many bonkers choices made in this game that are so upsetting. I, I Sonic even, Fox was right. I even wrote down um, a a kind of like list of like why it was so good was the 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 amazing art style, phenomenal starting roster. I I like the addition of a universal anti air, but I'll come back to that in a second. I love dash. I I, I know that you know some games have had a dash macro. I think that it's uh, a it, it is a quality of life thing, and I and Guilty Gear Strive has that. Um, the rollback net code is probably one of the biggest things. Um, damage is really high, so it makes it feel like. Um, you know, new players who aren't don't play fighting games who kind of hit buttons still do some like really big hits with like simple two hit, three hit combos. Um, and you know, there's a lot of uh, but there are longer combos for people who want to play it more. And I really there there's a good like the the loading time is fast once you actually get into the game. And uh, there's the rematches aren't broken like they are in Tekken. And um, I think the wall break is one of the coolest mechanics ever added to a fighting game. And, and, you know, in short, a lot of fighting games have this this mechanic where at the wall, you kind of you you as the aggressor want to push your enemy into the wall where they have nowhere to back up or kind of space. And then now they're kind of at your whim. You can keep kind of trying to mix them up. And in anime games, this is usually the worst. You usually get hit once, you get carried over the wall. And then now you have to just kind of block all these things and like just block forever and feels like you're not playing the game. But in this game, if you do a lot of damage to someone while they're against the wall, the wall breaks, it resets back to neutral and it gives them more meter. So it is both a positive thing for the person who broke the wall. That feels pretty good, but it also resets to neutral. So the person who was like, you know, getting crushed against the wall actually now has a chance. Now they're at the, now they're in a new reset. So it does all these things very well, but where, you know, if things kind of fall apart, is that the DLC cadence has been horrible. It's been very slow. The, the patches have been the choices that they're making patch wise seem like there are maybe like people on the 
uh, development team that play certain characters and then don't play other characters. So, you know, Eno got all these buffs that make sense for her about her movement got quicker or her note got better. Um, like all these, like they increased kind of damage. They, they gave her more mix-ups and more mix-up potential kind of, she just got better over time. Um, Soul has gotten like nerfed, but every time he gets nerfed, he gets a little buff too. Ramlethal was a character that was always high tier, and they just gave her more options. And then they have other characters like that I play, like Zato, where they made his. They took a move that used to be okay, and they made it worse. And that was mostly it. And like there has been no changes, and it feels like no one on that team plays Zato. And then the DLC characters, like we said, have been um, like really poorly received. They're very small. They're for like niche um, uh, play styles. And usually what you kind of want with DLC is, like, it brings people back to the game. Like, I think maybe when Biken comes out, who is the character who's supposed to come out this month, I, I don't know why she's... She was supposed to come out late this month, and I haven't we haven't heard a single thing about her. Um, so I don't know if... I but thought it, she has a release date. I thought it's, like, the 27th. I, I thought it was, like, they were saying the 23rd. Uh, I, I don't know. Like it, it And it feels like, shouldn't we be getting some trailers about what this character does a little bit more? It, but, it, you know, in the... The DLC characters were, like, the most... The first one is this, like, very overweight man that is hard to play. And it just feels like those are the, the, those are the times where you bring back the wider audience. You and I would play this game every day. But certain other people, like, you still need people who don't play that much or kind of, you know, jump from game to game. And you can bring a lot of people back at once with, a you know, like a big popular patch or bringing back a big new character or making new characters so that the tier lists feel like they're moving around or that you see new things at tournament. And yet, like, they have not done that well. Um, the universal anti-air is probably one of the worst things about this game. Um, uh, we've complained... Uh, not because it's an anti-air, but because it actually outperforms most moves on the ground. Yeah. Which so... is the real issue, that it just, like, wins neutral against, like, there, you know, there are these big, high, like, high-risk moves, like Heavy Slash, that a lot of characters have, which is, like, a really slow wind-up move, uh, that you could just anti-air, uh, because it's on the upper body, so... It, it wins neutral, and that's a problem. Yeah, it's a huge issue. Like, I think it's continued to be and become more of a huge issue. The way it works is, like, you don't even have an upper body hitbox. So instead of it just being, you know, beating, uh, you know, air moves that someone is jumping in, it beats, like, everything. Because anything, like, you know, like, that has a higher hitbox, if someone swings with, like, an attack and then you, anti and you just anti-air, then you just have no upper body hitbox. So instead of trading, you'll just, like, hit them clean. I think that's horrible. Um, the damage being too high is a big deal because, uh, you know, it's good for new players, but it's created the situation where for pro play, there's basically two hits and then the game is over. Um, it almost feels like this game needs to become like a best of five kind of to make it a little bit more fair. Um, the rank system is the worst that I've ever played in a in a uh, in a fighting game uh, there yeah. instead of being instead of just being tossed into games that uh are, are matched with someone that is closely in your skill level you get to like walk around a big dumb lobby and choose who you want to fight and and it leads there to be situations where people are purposely finding you or seeing what character you're playing to fight that character they can also see how much you've played this character so there's a lot of shitty things with that and instead of just going up and down like a length a ranked um like a ladder um there we've talked about 
you know, the, the, uh, there's, there's floors one through 10, and then it does this completely different thing called Celestial. So basically like I'm stuck on floor 10, the highest floor before Celestial, where I just beat everyone on floor yeah. 10. And, I get and we've, we've gone over this a couple of times, I think. Yeah. But this is where we're litigating it. Um, and you know, there's, there is the tutorials are horrible. There is absolutely no, um, combo trials. I think that's in, inexcusable. Even, even if, the combos that they're releasing, even if they do combo trials and those combos aren't the most efficient, they're not the best combos, like, as long as they're a day one, like, bread and butter kind of thing, then you can onboard new people. The second you don't have combos, new people literally, I hear people who say, like, I'm not going to do that. We have people, we have our own friends, actually, that that are people who can re be really good at games, like Zach, where he's... He's very good at Valorant, and he's even good, gotten better at Guilty Gear. He's, he's also played the game for, like, 232 hours. But he refuses to go outside of it. Like, there's there are players, there are people who, the second they will they will sit around, enjoy Guilty Gear, and say, like, I hope, I think I'm getting better, I can't wait, I want to play more of this game. And the second you tell them, oh, the way to get better is you have to go to YouTube, tab out, go to YouTube, and then go look up combos and then maybe like write them down or like find the notation for that. And then that's a whole nother like can of worms. There should, there has to be something in the fighting game that teaches you how to do combos. If you don't have that, tons of people fall off because of that. It's, it's a horrible exclusion. So for me, I would feel and, like. And personally for me, like the thing that hurts this game the most is you like the starting roster. I don't. I think that they homogenized a lot of the characters. I, for, you know, Comparing this to like Street Fighter or to like King of Fighters, you could look at this and be like, these characters, they all have like these really different game plans. But I, I still feel like there's a lot of things that are missing from this roster, especially like when you compare it to like a Blaze Blue, where it's like, okay, so you have Chip and Milia, and they're kind of different, where Chip has an extra jump and Milia has an extra air dash. But their game plan is kind of the same. And it's a little bit of a bummer when I still feel like there are archetypes that are missing from the game. There are characters that were cut that were really cool. Um, not just Venom, but like, you know, Sin. Um, what's, uh, I, I feel Busy. like I've forgotten uh, a lot of the names. Uh, Punishment. Sin and Punishment, those can't be different characters, right? I don't think, I don't, uh, I don't know if Punishment is a character. There's Justice. There's... Justice, yeah. There's, um, like, what's the guy who's Dizzy. possessed? Um, uh, shit. Right? No, I, I I know this. I was just looking at a combo video of that guy the other day. Oh, damn it. So I, I don't like the starting roster. I feel like um, the, the characters do feel like they have a lot going on. Like, despite the fact that they've really pared down the move lists, um, they, you know, it still feels like you Zappa. do have a lot of options piloting. Huh? Zappa. Zappa. It still feels like you have a lot of options, but... Uh, it, it kind of sucks when you have all these options and you just, uh, whoever has a better 6P uh, is going to win a lot of neutral. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the big issues that, that we talked about that maybe we didn't even put into good light is like, because the damage is so high, there's not a huge difference between damage at all. And most characters just eventually become rushdown monsters i think in in a lot of other fighting games i like i i agree with you that the, i think that the starting starting roster feels varied and like the characters look amazing and that a lot of people will find someone that they love in that starting roster but for the but i i do 
though I still kind of stick to it, I do agree with you that ultimately because of, maybe possibly because of the system mechanics, everyone ends up feeling very samey. Because if you really look at like most Guilty Gear matches, regardless of what the character is doing, their goal is to get you into a block and then mix you up until you're dead. Until you're dead. Like there's there's very rarely that much of a difference between it. Like there there are grapplers, there are you know. Um, uh, jack of all trades characters, but no one really zones hard. There's not you don't really see like that much wild play. And for the most part, when you look at Guilty Gear, you really just see even a character that's really wild, like Zato, that is a puppet character. The way that Zato ends up playing is similar to other people, where you put him on block stun, you keep doing your strike throws, and you push them to the corner, and then you combo them, and you hit them for a lot of damage. And there's a lot of characters that just play that way. And there is, has been to this day, kind of an issue that if Soul has every option, and he, and basically everyone does the same damage, then like, you know, like, you, you these kind of things create a, a problem. There's no true, like, there's not really true zoning. I don't even know, I guess, like, um, uh, Happy Chaos is, but he's like, I, I feel like that character is He's more of a pressure character. He's like a pressure, that. like a weird pressure character. I don't know. I mean, you get a little bit of it with Axel. Maybe you get a little bit of it with Faust, but not really. Yeah. For the most part, even like Axel kind of can rush you down too. So it feels like everyone, when you're winning in this game, you're rushing them down. And, yeah. uh, and so, so it can end up feeling, um, also, pretty, I don't pretty like the way wake up works either. Yeah. Um, I've played that game like... for 330 hours and I still fucking cannot time meaties half the time. Wake up is so whack. So, so for me, Guilty Gear uh, Strive wins this category with a bullet. Like it's, it is the game I wish were better for a number of reasons. Part of it is that I really like the game. Yeah. Like there are parts of the game that I really like. Yeah. I just wish it were a better game. We've played hundreds uh, of hours of this game, and I just wish that it were a little bit better. I just wish that it were a little bit better. It just, it was, it's so close. And I, I, it's fair to say that, like, I, I think that we often play, you know, hundreds of hours of things. We've played thousands of hours of Valorant. And, of course, we have, you know, like, you, you, you can hone in on those times where someone got, like, a bullshit running headshot. That's reality. Like, that kind of stuff is built in. Like, it'll happen. Well, it has to go somewhere. It, it'll, it, it'll happen every once in a while. And yes after you played a thousand hours of it maybe it's going to stick with you more like look at this bullshit idiot that has no skill and he just ran and looked at the floor and then shot and the bullet just you know matrix curved into my head and how like you know fucked up that is and then just say like it's party game it's bullshit um and yeah when you're playing a thousand hours of it any kind of minor issue is going to continually build up over your head but guilty gear strive just has like so many of them it should be the game it's the most recent big fighting game and if it were better we this is what we would be playing but instead we have gone to like we played this and we played street fighter and we played guilty we played blaze blue and we played dnf duel and we it feels like it it make made us all enjoy fighting games a lot again and together but it also made us want to find the next thing that's going to be actually better guilty gear strive game we wish were better best rpg Tales of, Tales of Arise, Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, Final Fantasy XIV, Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin, Shin Megami Tensei V, Bravely Default 2, and uh, League of Legends Stories The Ruined King, or yeah. something like that. I don't know yeah. the name. You um, know the name. Yes, The League of Legends The Ruined King. Um, Ru Ruined King. Uh, I played Tales of Arise. I played 30 hours of it, and... Uh, it got increasingly, 
um, grading to me. And then I spoke with someone who finished it at 50 hours and said, uh, you know, kind of don't expect it to go anywhere that it's not already going. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to, you know, suddenly shock you with an end of game twist that made everything worth it. Um, uh, Tales of Arise is a very, you know, well-produced nostalgic RPG. It felt fun while I was playing it because the combat is so good and the world looks so beautiful. It's like so graphically impressive that, um, you know, you want to get into the next fight. You want to see the next world, but the writing and, you know, this is such an important thing for this genre. There's only certain, like, it feels increasingly that it, it is very difficult to tell a good story, especially when you've heard so many. And that is kind of the bigger problem with RPGs in general is that if you're going to kind of put some of the gameplay aside and say, you know, the, the gameplay is not necessarily the, the, the reason to come here. Um, especially in like a turn-based RPG, and then just put it more into the story. You better have a good story, and this game does not have a great story. Um, it is uh, the characters kind of make no sense. Their their reasoning for uh, joining makes no sense in a lot of cases. Um, one of the weirdest characters is this character that like he was orphaned at a young age and uh, became a um, kind of uh, tool for the enemy that you're kind of fighting. Um, and he has lived this hard life and he hates his father for abandoning him. And he's basically turned into a rat. He like, he rats on his own people and he's this like kind of SS Nazi character. And he, uh, you know, through the events, the story kind of early on, he's one of the, the characters that joins your party in the first like 10 hours. And, uh, after he joins your party, you kind of never talk about the horrible things he's done. And then his character suddenly becomes about like him being hungry a lot. So all the dialogue you talk to him about every time he's talking to you, it's about, Oh, we could, we should set up camp here and make some good bone broth beef stew. And it's just weird. It doesn't, there's so many places they could have taken that character and they just kind of, don't I, I don't know they just want to it feels like they're it's on incongruous his character is very like incongruous and that's 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 that way for the rest of the cast kind of um so i feel like the the writing is like not up to snuff and the gameplay is good it looks good um if you are for someone who like just plays jrpgs all the time um oh, i feel sorry for you but uh like because there's better games out there but uh i i imagine they would have a pretty okay time with this i would say this is not the best rpg of the that's fair. So Shimagami Tensei Five. Um, I I feel like I might weigh this uh, similarly in terms of a. Uh, well, I do think that the gameplay of this is pretty good. I this is uh, one of two monster taming RPGs on this list. This one and Monster Hunter Stories Two. Uh, I think that Shimagami Tensei has the worst of these two games in terms of story specifically. Um, I actually didn't get very far on this. I I sort of fell off of it. Um, so I, I don't really know why it would win this category. Um, <laughs> I feel like it wins. The, like for some people, they're like, no, like Shimagami Tensei, it's the best. It's the the best. Uh, it's better than Persona. It's the crunchiest, the, the greatest monster collecting. And you're wrong, but uh, more on that later. Uh, there are some things I like about it. Like I think that the music is great. Uh, the animations are great. It runs pretty well. This is a Switch exclusive, and it, I will say that it runs better than Monster Hunter Stories too. Um, this, but the story. This is a game that is purely about the mechanics, uh, because the story is so dull. Similar to uh, Tales of Arise, very dull story. Uh, but at least Tales of Arise, uh, you might like some of the characters, even though they're a little bit one note. Whereas this game, 
there are very few characters and the ones that are there you're you're probably just going to fast forward through the text because it's it's really not very captivating um monster hunter stories too on the other hand uh great writing great characters and some really great rpg mechanics my issue with this one is that the fights last for two and and i think that that's fair to say because at, at some point in an rpg you, you want to get to a point where um you have become strong enough that you are like just fast forwarding through trash mobs especially trash trash mobs that you've fought before but that's not the way that Monster Hunter works, even in the mainline game. Like Octopath uh, Traveler was that big thing of like Octopath Traveler. Every fight was a, you know, two minute fight. It was just insane how long oh, trash mobs took. it was more than took. two minutes. You, you could be fighting in, in Octopath for like 20 minutes against trash. Like th- it was, oh, it was pretty was bad. So, bad. I, um, so I think that this game actually does have a similar issue. Uh, and, you know, they're Monster Hunter fights. So you're like targeting specific body parts with weaknesses uh, and after you hit them in their weak spots for enough that you charge up a meter that lets you let loose a, a super attack. And at the end of every fight, you're getting scored on how competent you were. And like, those are cool ideas. But for a turn-based RPG, I think that it just takes too long uh, for those sort of things to happen because you're getting into fights in the overworld, right? Like you're not like... I'm going to go out and I'm going to hunt this specific monster. Sometimes you are, but on the way to hunt that specific monster and get the parts that you want, you're randomly encountering other monsters and then you're doing these long fights. And I think that that kind of uh, sours it for me, despite the fact that otherwise I think that this is great. I think that this would be a contender here uh, if there weren't some stronger entries. Um, I had a, I I had talked about Final Fantasy XIV's uh, Endwalker expansion um, last week. Uh, it is a, it's an MMO, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's more, it's much more narrative focused and usually the narratives in these games pay off. And, and, and I mean, specifically in Final Fantasy 14, it is the, the only MMO I've ever played where the narrative actually goes places and, and it eventually pays off, but it is, you know, glacially slow. I talked a lot about it. Um, I, I have been playing it kind of every day and I'm having a pretty good time with it. Um, and I'm just kind of now getting into the more of the meat of the actual expansion, um, but I don't think I could say that it would win RPG, you know, now. Uh, I, maybe by the end of it, like, I certainly felt that uh, Shadowbringer was a, a phenomenal expansion. Um, maybe I'm going to feel like that with Endwalker, but it is so slow that when you have, you know, real life and work and, and other things to do and maybe even other video games, um, it is hard getting through that. And I'd also say that I just kind of wish... Uh, it, it was a little bit, I, I fought a little bit more in it. Like, I, it is so much dialogue. It's so much running from one place to do dialogue with one character, running to the next place. I, I just kind of almost wish there was more times where I had to kill scorpions for their tails. Um, it, you know, that's a sad thing to want, but um, I guess I, I just got to go into the uh, the queue, uh, the, the dungeon. Um, for uh, Rune King, I played Rune King and got to very, very close to the end of it, and I still kind of want to just finish it but i don't necessarily feel like the ending will you know is is so much gonna be so much of a payoff that i that i must see it but whoa what a good rpg mechanically uh they do some really phenomenal things and the writing is good it, i the it, it is you know if you're not going to tell a weir- a very new story if you have the if the writing is just good if the characters are likable if the dialogue um 
feels natural and interesting and can like get a chuckle every once in a while, then that's enough. You know, like I don't think Rune King is telling a Final Fantasy seven level story, a Final Fantasy ten level existential crisis, um, but. The story is good, easy to follow, and written extremely well. And then I've talked before about this game. Mechanically, it is a fascinating RPG. Every once in a while, an RPG comes around that is... And this is... I'm only, I'm basically just saying Persona per, does this. But every once in a while, an RPG comes around where, even though it's turn-based, it feels like you have to math your way through trash mobs. And, the, and, the, and I'm not saying that the uh, fights last extremely long... Or that, like, you know, you sit there, you know, um, stuck in uh, analysis paralysis. But there is enough going on in the fights that it feels like there is something real at stake. It feels like um, a slight mistake is going to spiral everything out of control and either, like, wipe your party or do enough damage that it's going to burn a lot of your resources. So uh, they they uh, do a phenomenal job with that. The, the cast of characters is great. They all... Uh, play very differently and there's some crazy cool concepts here and it's mainly centered around this time-based mechanic a uh, lane mechanic where um, it's not active time battle but you can pick to make your you know uh, spell come out sooner in the list or come out later in the list for different for like maybe if it it'll take longer for you to cast this thing and more people are going to get to have turns in between when this character does a thing but it's going to do more damage or something so there's a lot of really cool ideas here and uh i think it, it do you, it, do you it think that this game is is better uh knowing the league of legends lore or having any feelings about these i think characters? similar to similar to arcane uh I, I i think that i can imagine someone saying oh it's you know it's it's a Lowy. it's my favorite i love playing in the top lane and annoying someone um, I, I think that I could imagine it being, um, like, I, I, I think that it improves my experience slightly, but I, I don't think that there is anything, you know, any reason why a non League of Legends fan couldn't just play this. And this, like, why it, it's kind of silly to me to think about. Um, I wouldn't tell someone, well, you haven't played League, so don't watch Arcane because it won't make any sense to you, or like, you won't like the characters. Like, the, the this is such a high quality jrpg this is such a high quality turn-based kind of like jrpg style that uh and the story like i said is serviceable that the writing is good i I don't think that you need to go into it knowing league of legends to enjoy this game or to get anything out of it i could imagine someone playing this game and wanting to actually gives you very little yeah league gives you i mean that's that's partially why is that league itself is so narratively a blank slate that um like the, the way that that we play league is you you get into league, you queue up, you pick a character from a roster, and then you go. There's, there's, there is story in the client, but it's like these blurbs about what you know the backstory of the characters. But you, you're, it is not like a Metal Gear where if they made a Metal Gear movie, you might be completely lost if you haven't played the games. You know, completely the opposite. It's a, the the actual league game is just you know here's a million characters that come from different walks of life that have nothing to do with each other, and they all look cool and different. It's they don't, like I said, they, they look like uh, Smash Brothers. League of Legends is the Smash Brothers of the League of Legends universe. Yeah, so it feels like none of them almost belong together, but they do. And that's why, you know, it's easy to recommend things like Arcane. It's easy to recommend things like League of Legends Rune King. It's 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 a great RPG. Um, I, I'm always surprised when an RPG comes around and does something unique enough that I actually want to play more of it, that, that the trash mobs don't feel frustrating, that the bosses feel great. And um, uh, this game just... It, it, there's tons of stuff to do in it, too. Like, this is a... 
like 50 to 100 hour game like there is just a ton of side stuff for people who want to do that and that's a lot uh there's just like i i i think i've played the i think you can mainline the main story in like 30 hours and i've probably played like 80 hours of it because i've done so much so much 80 hours yeah i've done i even some of the 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 um approaching end game quests you can get the characters um they're like all the characters have a like an ultimate a two bar ultimate and a three bar ultimate and you have to do a big quest to get the character their third bar ultimate and then there's also um like legendary weapons for the characters a la final fantasy like a lot of final fantasy games have something where you can do this like long chain to get a character their best weapon their best in slot weapon and this game has that and um i I, i've gotten i've done a lot of the side stuff i've done a lot of the crafting and enhancements i'm always like messing around with that kind of stuff and any anytime like a side opportunity presented itself i kind of went for it and like that that happens a lot in that game there is like a massive um you know like there's a main story quest bar and then there's a side story quest bar and it's it is wild there's a lot of stuff to do right on we're not getting through these categories very fast we are not tell you that uh brave later fall 2 it's not gonna win uh because pathfinder wrath of the righteous uh that's my rpg of the year i've talked about it a lot so i'm not going to belabor you with all of the stories about why Pathfinder the the trials Wrath, and tribulations. Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous is such a great game. Uh, but I will say that for me, the, the thing that uh, makes it so effective is I, I think that as being a role-playing game, this is the most role-playing of role-playing games uh, where I feel like you're really building out your character and your story. You're choosing from 25 different classes, uh, one of five subclasses among them. So you're not just a mystic, you're a you're a, a secretarian. You're not just like an inquisitor, you're a, a doomsayer. You're not a hunter, you're a you're a bounty hunter or you're a, a you're dragon. You're not a wizard, hunter. Harry. You're not a wizard, you're a blood mage. Yeah. Right? Uh and then you're choosing your characters. Race, you are choosing their like their background, like how did they grow up like if they're a cleric, they're a cleric under which of these 30 gods? Depending on which of those 30 gods you chose, you're going to have different um, relationships with people. If you worship the same gods, then it's going to, you know, change the way that certain conversations go. Turns like the way that people treat you turns out who's going to help you in specific fights. Uh, it's it's going to affect the way that your abilities work. Uh, every decision that you make, not just in the character creator, but also... Uh, in the actual story, they feel impactful. Um, You are choosing like your path of being a hero and they're not all good. You could be uh, the path of the lich, the path of the, of the swarm that follows or the path of the dragon, the trickster, the Aeon. And those all come with uh, a unique direction that the story is going to go. So I feel like this game uh, it's not going to be for everyone because it is extremely dense. The, w- the way that you put it is that Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous is as close to a tabletop RPG as you can get. And I, I agree with that. And that's why I think that for me, Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous is the best RPG of the year. And for me, it's the ruined. Ooh. Those are two very good, very different games. You know, the problem with with, um, being enthusiastic about games and having a games podcast is that we continually say that we're not going to belabor the point that we've talked about all these games, and yet we we continue to do so. So don't belabor the point. Okay, most unique and weird, Cruelty Squad, 
The Good Life, 12 Minutes, Unpacking, Loop Hero, and Unsighted. I didn't play most of the games in this category. Um, I played, I finished 12 Minutes. I, f I played a fair amount of Loop Hero. Um, I backed The Good Life, uh, but I did not play a fair amount of these. I didn't play any of it. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the ones that we've already talked about so we can get them on the list or figure out if they still belong here. 12 Minutes doesn't belong here. This is a year where a lot of loop games came out. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is pretty, It is. I guess it's not that unique, um, but it's mad weird because you kill your dad. Yeah, and, that's true. And have I a mean, baby you with could, your stepsister. So. I mean, in theory, uh, we could add uh, The Forgotten City to this list because it is uh, also a loop game, but a little bit more um, interesting than that one. So The Forgotten City, uh, we talked about it a little bit where you are sent back into uh, the... So how, how do I start this one? So you go into a cave looking for somebody who got lost and you are sent uh, back in time to this old uh, Roman Empire city uh, where there is essentially everybody who lives there prospers. They live forever. Uh, but there's the golden rule of uh, you cannot commit sin, but you don't exactly know what that means. Eventually you figure out, like, if you kill anyone, uh, this world is going to end. Like, there are all these statues around the city that come to life and will kill you. Uh, and you've been put there essentially to try to stop it from happening, where there's this, the, the emperor essentially says, like, I can send you back in time uh, in order to try to fix whatever's going wrong here. And then later on, we'll be, we'll find a way to send you home. But first we have to fix this problem. So you're replaying the same day over and over and trying to figure out like where the mortal sin occurs uh, so that you could stop it. So then the day goes on a little further and the next mortal sin occurs. So you're in there just trying to patch up what's happening without committing a mortal sin yourself. So I think that the Forgotten City, I don't think it's going to win this category, but I think that its existence uh, sort of takes... Uh, 12 minutes out of the running. Sure. Uh, I played a lot of Loop Hero and re really liked it. Uh, I, I kind of want to see more games along this vein. I thought it was really it's cool. It's like, like a what board a cool, game, right? Yeah, what a cool so concept cool. of a roguelite where you're just building up and the, the character's kind of doing... It, it's a combination of roguelite and idol in a really interesting way. Um, so I, I really like that Almost game. Almost like, yeah, like an auto-battler, which were pretty popular. I kind of want to play Unpacking. I don't know how much of you played of this, but you're literally just in, unpacking. That's the game, yeah. So it's it's interesting because it is a... It's a thing that could only... It, it's the kind of storytelling that could only work in a video game uh, where you are just unpacking. So you start out by unpacking, like, a child's room and, like, you're unpacking, like... Their stuffed animals, like their books for school, their uh, trophies. And then uh, once you finish unpacking, then you go to the next scenario where you're you're the same person. So you're unpacking the same person's room, but this time it's their college dorm. And as you're unpacking, you're learning a little bit about them. You're learning uh, what items were sentimental enough, like what stuffed animals, uh, which books, like which toys, like... Uh, did they bring along with them? And you sort of determine like a little bit about them because you are determining where things go. So with their stuffed animal, like let's say, are they like proud about it? Do they like keep it on their bed that they sleep with them at night? Or do they like hide it in their closet because they don't want like their college roommate or something like that to see? They're the sort of, they're like decisions that you get to make about who this person is. 
Uh, and it's the kind of storytelling that's interesting because like I said, uh, it's the, it's the kind of thing that would only work as a video game. So I think that, uh, you know, it's, it belongs on this list. Uh, Unsighted, I don't necessarily think it's going to win this category. I've talked about it a little bit. This is the one that sort of uh, everything is on a timer and everybody is uh, going to die. And there is this like precious resource, this meteor dust uh, that you could provide to people that's going to prolong them. Uh, and it's also something that you need yourself to prolong yourself so that you could finish the game. So technically, this game does have like a hard fail state, I think. Uh, I didn't get to it, where you can essentially uh, let yourself die. I don't know what happens if that happens. Uh, but I think that it kind of the reason why it's on that this list is because uh, everything that you do in this game is a measure of like, is it worth it? Like there will there will be like challenge puzzles and like going off to explore something and you need to figure out like, okay, is it going to be worth the time to do this thing when uh, people are dying and I should instead be like just pushing forward, going to new places, uh, getting this resource so that people can continue to live. I, I think that it's interesting because it's willing to kind of like go there, if you know what I mean, where I feel like most games uh, developers wouldn't feel comfortable like putting something so um uh anxiety inducing in their game but but this one goes for it so that's why i think it belongs to be here so then you have the good life this is the sweary game uh that released this year sweary uh deadly premonition probably the one most people know him for so this is a game that bills itself as a debt repayment simulator uh where you are a new york city photographer who goes to a small very small town in europe uh in order to discover why it is called the happiest place on earth. And when you're there for a night, you realize that all of its inhabitants uh, either turn into a dog or cat at night. And then on maybe like the second or third night, uh, a murder mystery occurs. And then uh, you are balancing like, I'm having fun in this whimsical town and someone died in a brutal way, uh, which is very sweary. And then you have Cruelty Squad. If you don't know why it belongs on this list, uh, just look at screenshots. Uh, it is the most insane looking game that I've played in so long. And it is a game that is essentially about capitalism and about like a post-capitalism society uh, where like you are a member of like this assassination group called the Cruelty Squad. Uh, you are sent out to kill mostly like CEOs and corporate elites that are all aware of the cruelty squad, like, and why it exists. Like th this game ascent eventually gets to some very insane places. Once you start getting to uh, the secret levels and you're fighting, like you're, you're coming across like the, the, the gods and the deities that first created capitalism. And there are like these giant, like floating tentacle creatures, um, it's insane. It's an absolutely insane game. There's also a stock market in the game uh, that you can invest in and that changes as you kill uh, the CEOs of various companies. The actual gameplay is something like a Deus Ex or Hitman uh, where you're trying to infiltrate these different levels uh, through like vents or through um, eventually you are 
using body mods on yourself or you're turning your appendix into a grappling hook or you're replacing your eyes with um, night vision like robotics uh, so that you can get into different areas. And it's insane. Like this, this game has 97% uh, positive reviews on Steam. Not a lot, only 6,200. It's made by a company called Consumer Soft Products, which is very, like Consumer Soft Products could be a company that exists in Cruelty Squad. It's it's insane. It's bizarre. And for me, Cruelty Squad is is the winner of this category um, for its aesthetics, for its music, for the weird gameplay that it has going on, for the unlockables, for the insane secrets, for the for the vampires, for all sorts of crazy shit, and for the the final level, which is just absolutely insane. This is an insane video game. It's a, a marvel that it exists. Yes. Uh, for me, the weirdest, most unique game is Cruelty Squad. I didn't even play it, but just to even have seen it and hear about it, it is the weirdest thing that came out this year without a question. It is bizarre. It is a Mountain Dew vomit. Um, there is a there's a video there. You have to kill this guy who is um, we're belaboring the entire point. house is is wall to wall. Just um, uh, Funko Pops. They're called Chunko Pops okay. in this right. game. I wanted to know if they went all. But yes. And uh, yeah, there's a video game in Cruelty Squad called Gorbino's Quest. And in the last uh, level, you have to go into Gorbino's Quest. Because that's where the ancient evil is hidden inside Gorbino's quest. Best looking, not is an- cruelty squad. Is another, but it's cr- on it's the another list. category. Um, cruelty squad is not the best looking, but it is among the best looking here. Loop Hero, Wild at Heart, Eastward, Cruelty Squad, Resident Evil Village, and Tales of Arise. Um, I want to say right away that like I, Wild at Heart looks so good. I love that it has this amazing storybook kind of aesthetic. Um, I like it so much. And I think in a lot of other years, it could win. It's not best graphics technical, but it's definitely like best one of the best aesthetics of the year. Um, style? And, and the, style is, the style is just generally great. I love the little, the little uh, like spirit uh, creatures who, whom I forget their names. Um, but I don't think it'll win. Um, Loop Hero is another game that has a very like, it's a chunky pixel sort of snessy looking style. Um, I, like they, they do a phenomenal job with it and the game looks really good. But I don't know if it's best looking. It's one of those things where it, it, it has a style and it's going for it. But I don't know if it just if it would win for me, at least, because uh, uh, even though it, it's not it's not trying to be the best style, techn- best graphics technical. Um, uh, but even even in best graphics style, I think it wouldn't hold up among this. Dang. Uh, uh, but res- what about Tales of Arise, a t- game that is maybe playable just for uh how beautiful it looks in motion i think it, it looks so good and it, it, it does this very it almost is comic booky or like sort of cell shaded where it has these vivid black blacks and it just look it, it the, the look of the areas are so good that you know it, i i said even earlier in this podcast that that a lot of time playing i kind of just wanted to see the next thing i kind of wanted to see the next area there's some huge like wild sweeping vistas and and really just really creatively designed places and i still don't think that it wins on this list it is it is a very good looking game it is phenomenal um how good it looks uh and like the animation wise 
Um, Talk to me about Eastward. Then. Uh, Eastward is a is also a pixel art game, um, but it is I think the best looking pixel art game that has ever been released. I I would I I, I would be fair to be challenged on that, but uh, I think it's the best looking pixel art game. The uh, animations and the overall style and the it kind of is like a pixel art Ghibli film where everything you're looking at it, there's nothing nothing is just for granted. There's nothing in the wor- in the world that you're never looking at a screen where everything there is just something you've seen before. You're seeing, you know, bizarre contraptions and like the people initially you start out in this underground town that the, the people think is the last town on earth because the the uh, surface is un- un- uninhabitable. And then, you know, you break out and get to see the light and you're traveling around on this kind of empty train and uh, and seeing these like wild like this game is the only there pixel art games do not like take your breath away they're not they're usually not going for that they're usually a a cute style or or it looks so good or it's animated so well but you rarely have that sort of like the a moment that you might have from like a skyrim or uh, breath of the wild when you first walk out of that of that initial little uh cave and then you you get this huge vista that you you see so much in the distance that it kind of just you know you it takes your breath away and this is a pixel art game that actually does that this this is a game with such like it shows you pixel art of such size and scope sometimes that it is shocking and epic and all the other words like it's just so well done the animations are phenomenal the the characters just move the the, the enemies are so creative it is a gorgeous absolutely gorgeous looking game uh, I didn't put Forza Horizon on this list, but I think in terms of technical, um, Forza Horizon could deserve to be on this list. But I still think that uh, the most technically beautiful game that released this year was Resident Evil Village. I would agree with you. This is If this was best looking technical, and it, Resident Evil still deserves to be even like, because the style is there too, but... Uh, but yeah, this is a, a really terrific looking game. Um this is this is the best looking game that I played this year. Definitely, technically, I don't play a lot of AAA releases. Um, when I do, I usually am pretty impressed by the fidelity, but never as much as I was uh, playing Resident Evil Village. I don't know what this looked like uh, for you uh, with the settings, but my computer is getting old. But this looked amazing. This looks amazing, and it's so well optimized. Um, I never had issues with performance with this game. It is. It is so good looking. The uh, Beneviento house is um, kind of does that like almost PT style of photorealism. Um, Actually, you know, now we're talking about it. The the initial like this game begins with like you basically looking at a baby's head and you can see like the wrinkles and like this. You can see like the the lines of the skin. It's the, the no game has done like this sort of like realism as as well like this baby you, looks so real this is the most real looking baby looking this baby, the, baby the baby that you see in this game makes it looks you feel, more real than real babies yeah like this baby would would inspire you with you know a sort of fear that that you're, you're gonna have the amount of money that you're gonna have to spend on this baby and how you know your life has to change and you don't even realize you're just playing a video game the, the beginning of this video this is it's insane how good this game looks the ethan's hand looks incredible and it's good that it looks incredible because it gets mangled you see a lot of you it. see a lot of mangling but um 
uh, uh, the, the, uh, animations are all, uh, uh, captured. They're all like motion captured. So they just look incredible. Some of the, the creations, the, 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 the way that the, uh, fish monster guy transforms, uh, Aunt Lady Dimitrescu and her daughters, how they like rip apart into flies and move around. I just, this game, it, it's, it is a technical masterpiece, but it doesn't just sit there on, it doesn't just like just rest on its rest laurels. on its laurels you know like I, I was trying to think of something better to say other than that but it, yeah. yeah it it is it does some really cool stuff it does some just sickening gross shit oh yeah uh so for me resident evil village is the best looking game of the year and for me it's eastward not a bad choice a a, a, uh, a riot release a best riot release we are big riot fans uh on this podcast it's kind of like what blizzard used to be um uh, they are. They had a really good year. This is a phenomenal year, and it's been phenomenal for Riot recently. They've been branching out. They've been successful with basically everything that they're doing, um, uh, and, except for their sexual harassment lawsuits. Yeah, I mean that. I don't want to. I don't want to glaze over that kind of stuff. So they're, it's, it's worth paying them out, though. It's worth yeah, people are getting their money. It, it, like it, it's always worth saying that kind of stuff, but that is less always a problem with riot and more a cultural problem right like how if if you have a company that that's large that large i feel like that happens and i'm not trying to sweep it under the rug and say that it's fine i'm not saying that that's like a normalized thing i'm just saying that that is not necessarily a to to act like riot is at fault for having some gross employee like sexual misconduct shit um is a little unfair when it's like, yeah, that's what companies, you know, like especially in tech right now, tech is still growing up because you have a lot of people working on video games that uh, maybe don't have great, you know, opinions of women and maybe aren't really like that smart about that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I think this is a larger industry issue and maybe just an, a societal issue at large is that um, there's a lot of horrible sexual harassment that goes around. Um, but outside of that, uh, the the actual games that they produced, not to, to to I mean to try and lighten an unlightenable subject, um, the actual games that they they produce and the kind of stuff that they're branching out into, they did a phenomenal job with this year. So uh, we have Valorant updates, the League of Legends Runeterra. I guess you can say Runeterra in general, but the uh, you also have the roguelite mode, uh, the lab in League, in uh, the Lab of Legends. The Lab of Legends. Um, Ruined King. Um, which I think was my RPG of the year earlier. It's been it's so hard to remember. Project L um, came out. Uh, well, did not come out, but there's there's a little bit more info on it, and it's looking good. And Arcane, the uh, League of Legends Netflix series. Um, I would say Ruined King is not the best release this year because some of these other things are pretty wild and pretty amazing. Um, it may be the best RPG of the year, but I don't know if it's the best Riot thing of the year. Um, the Project L info is a very exciting but there's still not a lot of it. And the, and one of the main things that is kind of, you know, a little bit knocks the winds knocks the wind out of my sails is that, um, we won't be seeing this game till probably 2024. Don't Uh, say that. Um, well, they, they said that, uh, there's a chance they, they didn't say anything about this. There's a chance that in, in, in 2022, we get a beta, but it seems like this game is actually surprisingly far out, much further out than I would have thought. Um, they yeah. said that there there is absolutely no chance it's coming out in 2022, uh, and I just have to infer that with the amount of time it's spent in the oven that we'll get a beta this year. But um, the Project L info is good, and they are they have a lot of promises as they had with League. Um, you yeah. know, 
punishing people for rage quitting and the uh, uh, disconnecting and shit like that. So that's exciting, but I don't think it's the best uh, Riot release of the Yeah, I... I got to admit something to you, which is that I created this category. Uh, so I know why you created this category. To talk about Arcane, right? Yeah. Um, um, so Arcane, not a video game. It's the Netflix original series um, that tells the story of it, it's it's the biggest amount of lore that I think we've ever gotten for League of Legends. And it makes uh, you care about League of Legends characters in a way that Maybe you wouldn't before, because really League of Legends characters uh, serve a fairly mechanical purpose. And I feel like that changes a lot with Arcane, where they introduce you to uh, Piltover and Zaun, to characters like Victor, uh, Jace, Jinx, Vi, and Caitlyn. You know, characters that, you know, I think a lot of people are seeing for the first time, especially because I, I think that this is maybe the the biggest entry point into League of Legends like someone might actually watch Arcane and be like I want to know what this League of Legends is all about and quickly find themselves uninterested uh, yeah I think this, aside, was, this was I, the the best this is the the most watched Netflix series I think of of the year and uh that is a pretty big uh thing to say because there's a lot of wild Netflix series this year in uh, Squid Games included swept the world um Arcane is definitely not a video gamer thing. It's not something that I would say, you know, if you don't like video games, you won't like this. I think that a lot of people would just watch this and maybe have no idea that there is a video game attached to it. Um, it is Disney quality, but it is uh, a lot darker. There's a lot of things that happen in this uh, in the series that I th- I kind of thought that Riot wouldn't do. Um, and I I absolutely loved it. I thought it was like I, I think it's phenomenal. Like I, I I super recommend anyone to watch it. Not only does it you know the, the art style is phenomenal, um, the action stuff is phenomenal, but that is you know almost unfair to say with how good the like it's not about the art style, the action action as much as they just do a phenomenal job with these characters and they do. So they, many, they treat it with a lot of respect. Yeah, they do. And I think that really matters. I think one of my favorite things, uh, like kind of writing-wise, is when you make a character and you kind of show how how good their intentions are, and then you show that you know you know the best intentions can like yield the worst results, kind of like, and no good deed kind of goes unpunished. And this series has a lot of that, and. It is just, you know, characters trying to help and sometimes doing kind of unspeakably horrible things or, you know, being pushed to their limits. And there's it, it is phenomenal. I cannot wait to see where they go with this. I think that they want to stay. They might stay away from Piltover and Zon for a while and go somewhere else. I think that was their... the, the way that the season ends also is insane. I know it ends on like a cliffhanger, but it doesn't feel unsatisfying, I would say. I agree. It, it, it is both a cliffhanger, but it's like, regardless of the outcome of the final moment, it, it still feels like a satisfying thing of like, maybe we don't even, I don't even know if I need to hear more of this. Like I, we could talk all day about what we think happens in the last moment, but even then the, everything is just so satisfying with it. So I, I absolutely love Arcane. Arcane, uh, Valorant, we've talked about before, got some good updates, um, but it also kind of, they also kind of missed the mark in some places and they could have had better updates. And the League of Legends Runeterra uh, uh, roguelite mode and what they've been doing with Runeterra is phenomenal. And the roguelite mode uh, is my uh, roguelite game of the year. Uh, oh, okay. Yep. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote it back in, just so you know. But Arcane wins this award for me. Me too. 
Best fighting game of 2021. Uh, this is a weird one because there's a lot of games that we played and not all of them are 2021. Yep. Uh, so if it were, if we, if we cared about technicalities, a Guilty Gear Strive, only game that released this, uh, that is a fighting game that's on this list. But I would argue that Blaze Blue uh, Central Fiction also released this year because it got rollback. And then we also have uh, Street Fighter V, uh, DNF Duel Beta, Tekken 7, and Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah. Um, we, we really got into fighting games a lot this year. I've been into fighting games for a while, but rollback started coming to fighting games. So it reinvigorated fighting games and, uh, it, it's worth, you know, having the, the discussion. Um, blaze blue has been a blast to play. I ha- I'm having a lot of fun with it and the roster is great. It's one of those things where it's such a complete fighting game. So it's fun to go back to it now because some of these other fighting games are still kind of getting updates. Um, street fighter five had their last character. So we might be seeing, uh, possibly like the the early rumblings of whatever Street Fighter Six is, but I think Street Fighter Five is really fantastic. It's a really good game, similar to Blaze Blue. They've got a fana- like a fantastic roster, and kind of Blaze Blue. Even though you know we we talk about how Blaze Blue has that drive button, something a singular button that makes a character so unique. This game kind of has like V triggers and V skills. And some of that shit is so wild and fun. And I, I love the idea that you get to really customize a character that you're bringing into the the next game. And, like, some of the, the V-triggers are just so fascinating. It's, I, it, I always say that it almost reminds me of, like, a card game where... Um, or a roguelite or something where you're trying to get the perfect, like, wild things to happen to, to pop off. And there's some V-triggers in this game where you can just, like just do wild, crazy things when it gets to that point in the match. And the characters just feel great. I, I think that they're, this is a, a extremely fun game. Um, we didn't play a lot of Mortal Kombat 11. I played quite a bit of it. So the thing, but the thing that makes uh, Mortal Kombat 11 like worth talking about is that this year, um, I, I think that this maybe happened last year or early this year, um, but they sort of rebalanced the game around uh, the different characters' move lists and move sets. So one of the things that made Mortal Kombat 11 unique is that characters had interchangeable moves uh, where you could remove certain moves from their kit in exchange for other moves. Uh, And when the game first came out, there was one set that was tournament legal. And during the different seasons, they would rotate in and out uh, specific moves in an effort to uh, help rebalance the game, keep keep it fresh. Uh, but this year, they changed it so that any character movesets, uh, almost all of them, almost all of them are tournament legal, which meant that you really got to uh, bring in the version of the character that you like the best. Uh, it really increased the variety, and it also helped characters that suffered with specific matchups. Um, we played some of the DNF Dual Beta uh uh, opinions were, were seemed like slightly split on it, especially at this podcast where where I liked the game a lot more than you did. Um, there seems I, I I hope the best for this game because I kind of don't hope that a game like this is bad. I, I I think this would be a great game. I think that this also would be a really good wind down game. This is the kind of game where I could recommend to people that have might might may have missed the boat on a lot of other fighting games because it kind of has these Smash Brothers inputs. If you don't want to learn the actual inputs, there is a minor. Like, uh, it's it's a little bit better to learn the inputs. Like a tiny little gameplay mechanic tweak, but you can just do these easy inputs too if you don't want to, like, struggle through that kind of stuff. Um, the game looks great. Uh, it's uh, Arxis on the he- in the helm and then aiding doing the, I guess, ga- the, like, actual game design and the fight mechanics. Um, we had, throughout the beta, we played for, like, three days. 
Uh, I had a really good time with it. I especially just liked kind of jumping on and trying to figure things out mid-game, because this was actually a kind of game where we could kind of figure out combos uh, mid-game. So that's coming out this year. Um, so I don't know if it uh, hangs in this category, but maybe, maybe it'll it hang. Next year. Maybe it'll win next year if they can figure out how to put in an overhead. Um and uh, Tekken Seven, Tekken Seven, I th- I think the 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 cast might be finished. I I there might be another season. There might not be. I could f- I feel like I could move on to Tekken Eight. Um, I think that that game is looking. Uh, its age is showing a little bit, but there is a huge roster and a lot of wacky ass characters. I think the balance might be not the best in its lifetime because some of the newer DLC characters have just taken over tournaments. Um, a lot of the tournaments are like Lydia, Fakumrum, and Leroy, which are kind of more recent DLC characters. Um, and that is, you know, I mean, you got to throw shit at the wall. It's the, this feels like this game is kind of in its last leg. So, so, um, uh, I, I, we didn't play that much of it. Also for me, there's a huge issue. There's, there's some huge there issues. There's some online issues um, for me. Uh, one of the biggest things that makes Tekken 7 not a great fighting game on this list is that there's no like instant rematch. And whenever you try and rematch someone, even if you do rematch, um, it goes through this whole like, like here comes the next challenger. And then there's this fiery screen and there's all this loading. And I, ha- it's even slower on my computer, but it's slow in general. Uh, it's, it's so whack. Th- that game has always had problems with online. And again, that game doesn't have, continues to not have rollback. Neither does Street Fighter V, which is, uh, I think that this is, in, in 2022, this is a death knell, I think. I, I'm having fun with Street Fighter V. I like going back to it, but I wouldn't probably play that much online with it because it doesn't have rollback. Um, and then Guilty Gear Strive, we talked to about to, to uh, death. For me, I am going to say that it actually is Guilty Gear Strive. Um, despite That's all my, d- despite all my complaints, I had three, I played 340 hours or something like of it. And I did have a good time. I hope the best for it in this year. I hope that, um, this, D- this round of DLC, like bike and might, and, and some new stages might invigorate things a little bit, maybe a balance patch that kind of shakes things up and maybe buffs these like really lower tier characters. And maybe for once actually, you know, stops May and soul from just being so ridiculously strong. But, um, and and uh, and Nagoriyuki, please nerf that guy so I can play him because I like Nagoriyuki. Uh, for me, unsurprisingly, it's going to be Blaze Blue Central Fiction uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, so Blaze Blue Central Fiction, um, it's a game that more people are playing actually. So John, Alex, and a, a guest appearance from Lee, uh, you know, in this game, and uh, that was exciting to see. I love this roster. I I specifically love the character that I've been playing, Kokonoe, but I also really appreciate like some of the characters that I haven't gotten to play yet. Uh, the online feels great. I think that with the addition of, you know, despite the weird stuff that we've been dealing with in terms of the netcode, it is still a beta. Hopefully some of that gets shored up and we see less of those issues. Um, the online feels great, though. Um, the lobby system is getting better. I think that the rematch button is going to be a, a big thing because essentially the game operates now with as slightly more elegantly than Guilty Gear Strive does because uh, you can have the free-for-all room. Uh, I don't know. I, I I just dig the fighting the most. I think that it, 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 it's a weird game of like, I, I don't know whether to say that it's like honest because it because everyone feels a little bit like crazy 
or if it like is great because it is so like dishonest that it all evens out. Uh, but but also I really like the pace of this game, the the time to kill. I like the the damage of combos. I think that the combos might run a little bit long. Uh, there is some diminishing return on the longer combos, but I think that uh, you get a lot of agency in this game, uh, not just because the uh, damage is lower, but also because there's options of like um, techs that are a bit better. The 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 grab tech system. Uh, you, you dislike the fact that you could grab during a combo. It doesn't happen that often. Uh, there's a giant I, do, I, do, I dislike being grabs. grabbed when I there's too much visually to see. Like there's there's stuff in this game where like you play Kokonoe. So here's my example: is like Kokonoe throws this big spirit bomb in the air, and then you have to wait because even if I, I, this this mechanic, this singular thing, I love Kokonoe so much. She's such a cool, awesome character. But there's just one thing, this one super that is just like. I just hate it. I hate the way that it works. Uh, it, the, Kokonoe throws up this big spirit bomb, and even if you hit her, it's it comes. It's gonna come back down, and so you basically have to kind of stop and like let either like back up a little bit. It's also an invincible reversal, so it'll so it'll hit you if you're too close. Um, and it's, the big, it's a move that feels like it's designed by a child. The big problem. You know, sometimes I talk about Anjanath and Monster Hunter World, where it's like, okay, so what should the super move be? And it's like, okay, it's like a dragon, uh, but it's also a dinosaur. And yeah. it breathes fire, but it also has wings. And that's what Kokonoe's uh, fireball super kind of is. Yeah, so it's an invincible reversal. It's everything. a mix-up mechanic. It, it also it creates so much visual hectic. She can, while it's hitting you, it's like a... You're you're basically block in block stun for you know a solid like five to ten. I forgot it's probably like eight seconds. And while it's happening, you can't see what she's doing, so she can overhead you, low you, grab you, even though you're in block stun, and you can't visually actually see it. So it's kind of like a a huge fifty. It's more than a fifty fifty. Like you have to just like hold the L while this is happening, and it's invincible reversal. It feels like it does too many things. Um, I kind of hate that. Um, I think overall grabbing in, in combos is not a bad mechanic, but I think that when things are like in, invisible, like Galloway, for example, here's another example in the game. Uh, Relius is the character that I play. Galloway hates that um, Relius can hit you off screen. Um, if you're full screen from him, there's a ability where the puppet teleports behind you and then hits you and it's a fatal counter. Yeah, um, there There is... Uh, I mean, audio indications does, for all of these things. Th there is an audio indication for Relius doing it. Also, Relius um, and for he points and and so you know that he's doing something with the puppet. And if you don't see the puppet, then you should assume it's behind you. Also, I, I usually usually use it at full screen, so you should probably know anyway. But there's there's some stuff like that in this game where it's like too hectic and bullshitty to watch. I think some of the stuff with like Arakune. I'm just using examples more that I'm familiar with, where like a lot of Arakune stuff is kind of invisible it's hard to see he but i mean he becomes invisible sometimes um he also has like a counter that looks like it's him walking forward so there's some weird shit going on there yeah it's crazy it's a it's a crazy balls to the wall game and that's kind of the reason why i love it um but it, it's i think it's a kind of okay so blaze blue gets better the more you play it and guilty gear gets worse the more. Mm -hmm. and that's where i feel like i'm currently at on those um uh, so let's keep moving because it's been a minute and i have a lot of this, this has been t like two hours and 30, so I got to cut this down. Um, there you go. Best I, Pokemon game. I'm going to get through this fast. Yeah, I have no I'm going to divide this into two lists, uh, which is going to be the best non Pokemon 
monster catching game, and then the best Pokemon game. So for best Pokemon game, I have Pokemon Go 2020, new Pokemon Snap, uh, Pokemon Unite, uh, Brilliant Diamond, and Shining Pearl. Uh, so the winner here is going to be new Pokemon Snap, and I'll tell you why. So first off, basic Pokemon games, they're automatically... Um, off the list because they're not fun. They're not interesting. They're not innovative. Goodbye, and, Diamond and Pearl. And there are games that are doing monster catching better, uh, which we'll talk about in the next half of the segment. Uh, so new Pokemon Snap wins this list because uh, the best thing about Pokemon is like the characters, like the actual Pokemon themselves and like the nature of the Pokemon and just like looking at them and like they're doing something cute or like they're doing something cool. And that's what you get out of new Pokemon Snap is just like experiencing the best of those Pokemon, which is just like uh, Pidgeots like flying around and doing like some crazy stuff. Uh, it's raining and Charmander wants to protect his his tail from the from the water. And and that's what you get in Pokemon Snap. And that's why Pokemon Snap, uh, it's the best uh, Pokemon game of 2021. And then for uh, non-Pokemon games, so you have Monster Hunter Stories 2, Shimagami Tensei 5, and Cyrillum Ultimate. Uh, Cyrillum Ultimate um, wins this with a bullet. Uh, Cyrillum Ultimate is probably the best monster catching game ever released. I think that it's brilliant. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. I'm going to talk about it next week uh, because if I talk about it now... Uh, we're going to be here for a very long time. So just trust me when I say that Cyrillum Ultimate is one of the best monster-catching games uh, ever released, ever. And uh, if you like monster-catching games, and you like Dragon Warrior monsters, and you like the complexity of games like Path of Exile, uh, then definitely look into Cyrillum Ultimate. More on that next week. Hell yeah. So those are that's we're done with the um, picks. Um, let's go to your top five of the of the year. Top five, James's 2021 picks of the year. So this is, this is a no particular order. List. It is ordered. This is an ordered list of one to five. Uh, so the fifth best game of the year, Psychonauts 2. The fourth, Resident Evil Village. The third, Inscription. The second, Pathfinder. Oh, Wrath of oh the look at this. A last minute. He, and see, the best, James... The best game of the year. My well, my favorite game of the year. Wow, I love uh, this. Cruelty Squad. So so I don't have mine written down. I have mine written down in a notebook because that's what I do. But James has his written down already on the so I thought I was looking at Pathfinder, that was gonna be the game of the year, but then James flipped the script for me and switched it over to Cruelty Squad. Um for, for me, I'm gonna say that my fifth best game of the, the year is Loop Hero. I wanna see more of it. The fourth is Wild at Heart. The third is Guilty Gear Strive. And this Ooh. this was actually such a hard year to pick these. It actually was a pretty good year overall. And between these two games that have like almost nothing to do with each other, I had such a hard time saying, you know, what was the best, but that's, you know, lists. Um the second best, I'm gonna I'll, I'll I I guess I'll have to lock it down, even though these are kind of changing um in my mind, is the second best is Death's Door, and the number one is uh Resident Evil Village for me. Hell yeah. I had such a good time with it, and it's it such a good Resident Evil game. It, it just didn't disappoint me at all. I, it's hard not to say that like that was the game of the year. Right on. Um, Predictions for next year. I don't know if that's going to be this podcast. That's not going to be this podcast. Um, I do have 
Uh, I did write in some of the the ones that we already that we did from last year. So we'll next podcast we'll cut it in. I'll try and cut in uh, some of the things that we predicted and if they turned out true or not. And then I also have written down some ones. I went for some home run hitters uh, this year, so uh, that'll be next year. But this has gone on for a lot longer. You know, like I said. We love video games, so when you get us talking about video games, even when we try to not don't belab- let me into my zone. Don't let me into my zone. Don't let me into my zone. You've let me into my zone by putting me on a podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, James. Uh, this has been WTDG Podcast. I hope you know that. It'd be weird if you didn't. You can find us online at WTDGpodcast.com, on Twitter, at sign WTDG Podcast, which posts when new shows go live. You could also subscribe to the show, rate the show on iTunes. You know, we've got some iTunes reviews, and we are looking good at 4.6 stars, baby, out of 5. Not too shabby. Yeah, we should uh, somehow get this podcast in front of more people, but we would have to, like, we should we would have to go back to a format, I would think. We'd get canceled somehow. yeah. I mean, we'd get canceled. Yikes. When people figure out there were two white males, straight white males, then that's that's it right there. And we've only ever had straight white males on the podcast, unless not by choice, not by choice, by design. Thank you, Ryan Galloway and Bumper for the use of music. We use the intro and outro. You can get it off the new album Pop Songs 2020. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Is it? Uh, You can find them at YouTube. You can find them on YouTube where you can find links to all their merch. I have the shirt. I have the, the record. My stomach is grumbling. It is Pop Songs 2021, right? 2021? No. No, no way. It's 2020. You're wrong. How did I, I... I did it for a year and I forgot it. It's Pop Songs 2020. Um, bad year to have Pop Songs. No one was feeling elated that year. Um, but but we still use the intro and outro. Thank you, guys. Uh, Thank you. Um, this is... Thank you, Ryan. I don't know what we say anymore. We say, take it sleazy. We say, um, this is the year that we're getting to it. We say... It? Yeah. All right. Well... I don't know. We'll need a new one for 2022. We'll figure it out next. All right. We'll, we'll figure it already out next time. Already a month into the year. It's already 12th done. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out next time. We just don't have it yet. We, we just don't have it yet.